This is the player I'm going to get mad at you guys about, just so, you know, steal yourself. Failure. You take it very personally. You shame me, guys. You shame me. Uh-oh. Tell me why I'm wrong. So I'm just going with my heart over my head, because my head is stupid anyway. This is sight for sore eyes. Oh, that's just dumb, though. I've never been proven more wrong in my life so quickly and so dramatically. This is why you do not let media determine who the top 25 is. Recording May 9th, 2022. Monday night, you're listening to this on May 11th. It is the sixth podcast of the year. The WNBA season has started. So let's get rid of this preamble. Teams have played one to two games so far. Let's start with some of your favorites. Uh, what, what have you What have you watched so far that you really enjoyed? I thought there was a lot to enjoy opening weekend. The Fever were as fun to watch as I wanted them to be. The Mystics were super fun. The Dream one, like surprisingly, just crushed the Wing Spirit. I thought there was a lot of. <laughs> A lot of good stuff to watch. Chicago Sky played. Who knows what happened in that game? But I, I had a fun <laughs> time remembers? this weekend. <laughs> no one remembers a certain call, like, you know, yeah. at the uh, end of the game that might have swayed things. Were you at that game? You were at that game, right? Yes. Yes, I was. <laughs> yeah. Nice. You had a good time, at least, I hope. I did. I did. Okay. I had a kind of sad walk back, but after Aww. I got <laughs> <laughs> I'm an adult. <laughs> What about you, MJ? What, what are your opening thoughts? I've seen like two, two and a half games, maybe. And I've seen the, the, the who who else did uh, Minnesota play? Was it the Mystics uh, yesterday? Yeah. yeah. I was rewatching that today, trying to catch up. Okay. But I did not miss Spark Sky for nothing. I could not miss that game. Of course. Um, and I, <clears throat> I seen, of course, I seen the Fever play their first game. And I was, you know, had my hang on my head a little bit, like riding with the Fever and we just got slapped. But... <laughs> <laughs> you know so uh you're gonna have to like it's gonna be small victories right yeah for for the figure you can, it's not gonna be wins and losses it's gonna be you know metaphoric wins and losses yeah that's, that's right that's yeah. that's a win yeah that's a that's a huge win <laughs> <laughs> i'm all for that so yeah i've been playing catch up with the rest of the games but yeah i definitely had to see the sparks in the sky play i had to and been watching as much fever as possible because i just want to see them grow Cool. Yeah, I, I've I've seen almost every game. I have I missed. I haven't fully watched Seattle, Minnesota. I've only heard about it. I, I, I Minnesota is going to be my blind spot because I haven't watched. I didn't watch a lot of the second game either. It was happening at the same time as the Aces game last night that I went to, and that was great fun. I enjoyed both Aces games tremendously. They they blew up a. I'm sure you did. <laughs> Oh, I, yes, 100%. They blew up Phoenix. Phoenix's defense was terrible, to, you know, just to be honest. But they did what a good team should do, and they just completely destroyed them, and that was fantastic. And then Seattle is a very good team, and they came into our house, and we were like 3 of 12, I think, early on with the, the – this is the, the great part is like the three-pointers, the, the three players who hit three-pointers – or Sid Colson, Jackie Young, and Asia Wilson. Like, exactly who you would expect to be our leading three-point shooters on the year. Yeah, and and so they shifted gears. All credit to Becky for realizing that plan A wasn't working, and they went with plan B, which was basically what Bill Lambeer used to do, and just, like, power to the line, get free trips to the line, put him in foul trouble, get free throw trumps, get in the bonus, and just take it from there and play tough defense. The defense was fantastic. 
Uh, I was really, really, really impressed with it. I didn't, it's kind of one of those areas that you're keeping an eye on because you're not sure how good it's going to be, but it was great. Jackie Young has been sensational so far. Just like, uh, I think she's like at 18 and a half points, something like that, 19 and a half points maybe per game. And just shooting the lights out in terms of, of her percentage, just absolutely doing fantastic. Asia was terrific last night. Dirica has been great pretty much in both games. She had something like 19 rebounds last night, which is crazy. Kelsey Plum had trouble shooting early on, but she redeemed herself and like finished with 18 points last night and some threes, including the one that just basically ended the game. Killed it. I, I, I cannot be mad. Everything is, is so far looking really, really great. I love it. Beyond that, yeah, uh, I've, I've enjoyed exactly what you guys have enjoyed. Uh, really enjoyed the Fever, watching all their rookies play. I enjoyed that Atlanta-Dallas game. Uh, Atlanta's defense was absolutely sensational. I don't think they're going to be good because their offense was <laughs> absolutely terrible, but they were a lot of fun. Ryan Howard was terrific, and she looks like she's going to be a just a big part of the team and heavily involved in the offense and doing everything. She looked amazing. Uh, she did not look like, you know, just maybe a potential all-star that we've all been kind of predicting. If you go by her first game, she she looks like she might even be better than that. She was just tremendous, just all over the place, doing everything. Really fantastic. And Alyssa Smith has been pretty good for, for Indiana so far. Shakira Austin, we, we've talked about her. She's been great. Emily Engsler on the defensive end has looked really, really good. Yes. Just yeah, there's a lot going on. <laughs> uh, a lot of the rookies are showing up. Destiny Henderson, whatever she had, 19 points and so on and so forth. Yes. She looked fantastic. Yeah, she looked amazing. So, you know, all just, it's it's great. It's what a wonderful season we are off to a start with. So very happy about that. Uh, now to bring the buzz down and talk about all of the crappy stuff that happened this week. And we're not going to go in too deep because I don't even want to focus on this too much, but it is news. So we should probably talk about it. The first and probably the least offensive thing that happened was Amanda Zowie B was suspended for the final season of her contract. And that sucks for her. She loses out on whatever it was, 139K, she loses out on her protected slot. Because it is a suspended contract ended, she she has no negotiating rights going into next year. She is basically a reserve player for the Los Angeles Sparks. That really sucks. Today, Mariah Jefferson was waived by Dallas. This was kind of something that people considered maybe a possibility, all the cap watchers in the league. Our very own MJ Tolliver. Our very own MJ Tolliver thought that thought that Mariah might be waived. I'm not happy when a player gets waived, but no, it is either. one of these things that she's her gallant, her salary is now guaranteed. She gets it. That's cool. Yeah. It it opens up for Dallas to to play Jasmine Dickey, who said they seem to be really impressed with, and I'm very happy about that because yeah. it's yet another rookie who who may get some time <laughs> and get to show us everything. Oh, I thought she was about to go the other way with that. <laughs> it's no, another uh, rookie on Dallas. No, no, no. It's, it's great. There. It's great. It's, this, is, this is a good one. <laughs> that's just me thinking that because that's what's been happening. Who's who's here's here's a question. Who's going to play play more the third round guard from this year or the number one pick from last year? Mm, that's a good question. <laughs> I think they're going to have to fight for it. It makes you think. Well, they're two yeah. different positions, but nevertheless. In any case, all I'm right, still. moving on. Coming out of Australia, Jeno Hay, who is the captain of the Australian team, appeared on 
some like daytime talk show thing where they purported to to talk a bit about Liz Cambage getting her start in in with the Los Angeles Sparks and they talked about her first game against the Chicago Sky. Then it turned to a New York Times article, a double page spread on Liz and an interview where she said that she felt totally protected now and she didn't feel protected by the Opals to which they felt they needed to respond and say what happened in the Nigeria game where Liz supposedly told one of the players on the other team to go back to your third world country or something to that effect. As he, they mentioned that Ezi Magbagor is Nigerian and was on Team Australia, and then they said that a brawl erupted. Uh, I don't know if they were they were insinuating that Ezi started the brawl or Ezi got into it with Liz. I went back and listened to it again, and it was kind of unclear to me what they were suggesting happened. Liz, for the, the comments that Liz made, and then Liz's response was just a cryptic tweet saying that not everything has come to light, and it's because it's not even done yet. My own opinion was, number one, you know, okay, what Liz said was terrible. I don't think that it comes from racism from her. Her father is Nigerian. Her two friends, best friends in the game are Neneka and Cheney. Uh, it's just a, a history of her saying dumb things in the heat of the moment. But whether or not, that doesn't necessarily make it any more forgivable. And the way she's handled it is kind of crap. Either, you know, you deny it or you, you know, just say, yeah, I said it. It was a dumb thing to say. I apologize. The the people who bring it up aren't coming off any better. This was clearly designed to be a hit piece in exchange for her saying she wasn't protected by the Opals. If this is something that you, you care about and you were so concerned about, then you can you know not try to woo her back to the Australian national team, which they did for a while. You could bring it up at the time. And just say, hey, she said unforgivable things. We don't want her to be part of the team anymore. Uh, it's I, something, yeah. It's something I say that. Something real fast. Yeah, go for it. Big body, big bins, baby. <laughs> God. <laughs> I just want to. You know, it's, it it's bad all the way around. It, nobody comes off looking good in this, and I'm so tired of this story. Whatever it is, just bring it out and get it through it. Be done with this. Talk about it. I, I don't blame the people who are who are going to be mad at Liz over this. I think it's I think it was a really dumb thing that she said. It's an offensive thing that she said, whether or not you're Nigerian. And it's the kind of thing it's like, you know, if somebody accused me of saying something like that, I would I would bring it all out there, whether it was true or not. And just treating it cryptically like you're never going to talk about it again is just it's it makes it even worse. To me. Becky, what do you think? I generally agree with your sentiments. It's clearly a crappy thing she said. The Nigerian players were pretty right to be upset about it. It's probably an appropriate thing to be disciplined for. She's said kind of crappy things in the past as well when she's played. At the same time, I also really believe Liz when she says she's faced a lot of racism in Australia and that her team hasn't protected her. So it's kind of a... It's, it's bad all the way around. Yeah, just like everyone kind of sucks. <laughs> I don't know. And even like, you know, like she made this sh shitty comment, but then you see all the like, you look at all the comments about the comment she made and they're saying equally offensive stuff back at her just for saying that comment. And it's like, she's clearly sure. faced this sort of, as soon as people have a reason to 
um, discredit her, attack her can really go into a pretty frankly racist territory pretty quickly. So you get how she probably has built a thick skin. So that's really all I have. Okay. MJ, any thoughts? I just think they need to make a phone call to each other and hash that out. This is a lot of stuff is real simple, but people let especially like the athletes and whoever they're dealing with instead of dealing with it in private they deal with it in public and it keeps it going actually it just pours you know fuel on the fire like i've seen that interview i already seen what liz said and then it's like i seen i seen the interview and it's just like ooh, like you can like you said you could tell this some bad blood and you know that was a hit piece it was because mm-hmm. she was like oh oh yeah she's done it's like oh oh <laughs> right you know. And I just think a lot of stuff could be handled behind closed doors, but a lot of people don't want to do it that way. All right. Moving on from from the bad to even worse, WNBA Hall of Famer Cynthia Cooper Dyke, who was basically known as probably the best player in the league the first four years of its existence with the Houston Rockets. Leading scorer, uh, two-time MVP, if I'm not mistaken. She has been accused of demeaning, demoralizing, and abusive behavior, according to an article in The Athletic. It is so bad. I'm not even going to go into what she what she is, has been accused of doing and saying. Inappropriate sexual comments, over, over exerting her players, making them practice when they're injured, that kind of thing. There's enough people who have witnessed it and, and talked about it and so on and so forth that uh, I don't have a hard time believing that it actually happened. Just vile, vile things. And the the one thing that jumped out at my mind was one of her players, I feel like there's a trigger warning, but one of the players said she wanted to harm herself in the worst way in front of Cynthia's house. That's, that's, how, that's how bad it got. Uh, really, really bad. She drove players away from the game and they, they just didn't, never even wanted to play again horrible. If there's a string of truth there is to this, and just given given the number of people that have come forward who were on her team and even reporters who watched practice and so on and so forth, if they're, you know, if it is at all true, I don't think the NBA, WNBA should have anything left to do with her. You can do those future five-year anniversary teams and just say, yeah, you know what? She was one of the 30th greatest players, but nah, she's not invited. <laughs> she should never be in a position of of coaching anyone ever again. Really, really horrible. I don't know if you guys read the article or not, but it was quite bad. I did. It was very upsetting. I actually saw her coach because they played against DePaul this year. She was not a very good coach either, just play-wise. But yeah, it was absolutely disgusting. And also just disgusting how long a coach like this can last at these institutions. Like, College yeah, students just, are just they're on their adults, name, right? but they're not, uh, they deserve more protection than that. And the fact that Texas Southern had hired her back, it's just, it's, it's gross, just both from her and from the institutions that allowed abuse to exist for so long. Yeah, I've seen the comments. Like once I came across the comments, I was, I was, I just went away from it after that. Like, ooh, she talking to them like they her friend, like they her close friends or something like that. And that's inappropriate in a professional space. Yeah, it's out there. Uh, it's on the athletic folks. But if if you don't have the stomach for it, I I totally understand. It, it's really, really rough sledding. And 
let's get past that. Hopefully we never have to to see her or hear from her ever again. The most shocking news this this past week, I'd venture to say, was we finally kind of have an explanation for Diamond to Shields, her her loss of productivity, or however you want to phrase it. And just unbelievable story. So after the 2019 season, when she was overseas, she got bumped by another player and her her back really, really hurt. So she had it checked out, got an MRI, and then they find they found out that there was a giant tumor near her spine and they had to take it out because it was going to be a risk of paralysis for her. So they did, but it didn't go extremely well. It was supposed to be like a three-hour surgery. It wound up being nine hours. They had to mess around with a nerve cluster somewhere near the spine as they took it out. And she was in really bad shape after that. She could not walk. She was constantly seizing seizures. They showed footage of her when she was in the hospital bed and when she was undergoing training. Just shocking. I I, I teared up a little bit. It was it was really just really really unbelievable stuff that we never heard anything about this. I get it. I understand why we didn't hear about this. I'm sure she doesn't want everybody thinking about it when she's out on the court or whatever. And then now I've gone from okay, we she had unexplained something unexplained happened to her that really physically impaired her somehow that we never heard about. To I'm amazed that she was even able to get back out on the court and play in the WNBA and not thoroughly, thoroughly embarrass herself, period. She could not walk. She had to learn to step one foot in front of the other, walking on a bar, not shake, and then start doing all the things you have to do in basketball all over again from scratch. And she didn't miss a year of playing. She went into the wobble and did it. Her foot was numb when she was playing. It really, really hurt. She had trouble wearing sneakers, all this stuff. I'm just like, how can you even get back out there after that? I have no idea, but she did, you know, she obviously wasn't what she was before. Hopefully she can get back there. This was incredible. The video footage, if you guys haven't watched it, thoroughly incredible. I'm, I'm just floored. I'm blown away. I hope she can get back to where she was certainly, but even just accomplishing what she has done has been something sincerely amazing. I mean, absolutely. I also teared up. I guess two things that stuck out to me is one is, you know, when the Sky won the championship, they shouted out Ann Crosby multiple times in the parade and in interviews. And I was like, okay, like they must have a really great relationship with the team's trainer. But to hear all the work and how she was there for Diamond, you can see why the team was so thankful and proud to have have her there. And, oh, hell yeah. 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 And what, what really like, I have a quote I want to read from this because it was just heartbreaking. It was talking about DeShield's tremors and how they would be caused by emotion. Like if she mm -hmm. got too high or low and she said, I always had to check my emotions because whenever I got emotional, I would start to have tremors and these were good emotions or bad emotions. If I was happy or I was crying. So I was always just trying to be even keel, especially when I was around people. And just like that kind of like that quote just like broke my heart and 
the way Anne Crosby, there's an interview where Anne Crosby said she would come up and, and help Diamond off the court and pretend to be like fixing her glasses or something to kind of keep her emotionally stable so she wouldn't have tremors or seizures in public. It was like, it was just heartbreaking to hear about. Mm-hmm. You know, we don't actually know these players, but you follow them closely and you root for their success. So it was just a emotional story to read and absolutely astounded by by Diamond and and what she's done to like all that work, all that dedication, all that just like grit to get yourself yep. back to the level she's at was incredible. Yeah, I, I read the article first and then I loaded up that YouTube video that was in the notes and I just heard it in her voice. Mm-hmm. Immediately, you don't know and then just watching that, it's just like, wow, it was it was just I wasn't expecting that. I was expecting it to be something personal or I mean, it was personal, but more like dealing with family or something like that. And it turned out to be something totally different. Like, I didn't even know what I was getting into and in watching it, but I'm proud of her for actually putting up the effort to make it back on the floor because it's it's a lot of people out here dealing with a lot of different things, like p- people I know personally who are dealing with things that affects their mental health. And they've been going back and forth and to the hospital and getting all types of tests and stuff like that. And they're borderline ready to give up for her to turn around and put her best foot forward and get back is, you know, I think her story needed to be told. She probably didn't want it out, but. I think it needs to be out because it's going to serve as uh, inspiration for a whole lot of people who feel like, well, this is where I am, especially if it's dealing with something bodily like that. It's not just a mental health thing. Mm-hmm. It's going to help a lot of people. It's going to inspire a lot of people, motivate a lot of people. And I think they need that. You know, she probably just wanted to wait until now, you know, till she's like kind of out of that space a little bit to give it, you know, to deliver it to us. So she won't have to deal with the emotional, you know, stuff that comes with it. But I think I just think it's good for us to get that story. And I'm just God bless her. Yeah. I'm just glad she's OK. Yeah. Part of my past life is has been working in hospitals. I, I do normally computer security and, and for a day job and used to work uh, for a medical center. And I worked in the radiology department and we used to see a lot of people who were doing physical therapy and things like that. Just from having been in a car accident and laid up for for months and months and months, just trying to recover one particular portion of their body. Her having to go through everything, like the just running, <laughs> even she said she couldn't run in a straight line. She uh, appeared from the the it appeared in the wobble and she couldn't run in a straight line yet that is, and just playing WNBA basketball and you know being able to do it on any level whatsoever was is absolutely astounding uh, i i just i'm blown away this is like one of the most amazing things that i think i've ever heard of in my life so diamond you probably never will listen to this but if you're out there you just were we're all astounded by you so and super rooting for you this year. Hope you can get back to where you want to be. All right. Uh, moving on, we have a new segment. Because we are the sixth podcast of the year, we have a special affinity for the bench players out there. Those that come off, that don't, don't get the glory. They're not the starters, but they're coming off the bench and they're producing. 
So we're going to have a weekly update, which will consist of two, two things. We will have the bench performance of the week. You know, whichever player out there kills it, who didn't start. And then we will also have a sixth player of the year update. You know, you, people have MVP trackers. We're not going to do that. We're going to have a sixth player tracker. That's what we're going to focus on, on who the best bench player of the year is. Uh, for this week, there's only two games max that have been played. So the, the options are kind of limited. But uh, I think we give the bench performance of the week to Marina Mabry facing what is currently the best defense in the league. <laughs> she managed to score 20 points on 8 for 16 shooting. And she was really the only member of the Dallas Wings who could do practically anything at all. I think Alicia Gray had a decent game. But Marina was was firing away on all offense. And she also managed to to, you know, hog caller Cheyenne Parker, get her ejected from the game somehow. So there's that too, I guess, if you consider that a positive. Uh, and then beyond, oh, go ahead. Go ahead. I hear you. I hear you, MJ. <laughs> <laughs> what you got? What you got? I was, you, you could hear me. Even I could. I, I heard, hear I heard you, your breath. You're like, <laughs> you inhaled very, very. No, I was muted. <laughs> you heard me in spirit though. You heard me in spirit. You I did. heard you. Your, your mental vibes came out. Yeah. Marina Mabry, you know, that's my girl, you know. All right. I'm with that. I'm with that. Well, yeah, under the circumstances, she had a a really good game. There are two other candidates that I think merit at least a mention early on. One is Epiphany Prince off to a pretty decent start so far. She's averaged 12 points a game in her starting and hit a fantastic 83.3% from from three that might what is it yeah five of six from three in the early going good for her uh, and then the other one is lexi brown out in la and i'm not even going to bring up her stats because it's too much work but she uh, she had a couple of good games as well out for la and she hit some threes so there we are off to after the start of our of our sixth uh, woman of the podcast year or sixth player of the year tracker I have to think about how we do this. We'll talk about it. If we're going to follow what the WNBA does and says you just have to play more games off the bench than you do starting, or if we're going to, you know, have a more rigorous type of qualification. And, you know, if some team is like, you know, is bench player, like they've done with Dirka Hamby in the past, like where she was second in minutes on the team, but she came off the bench. I don't know. We shall see. All right. Next segment, the Rui Report. Our Lord and Savior, Rui Mashida, has played her first two games. In the first game, she got two points, two rebounds, two assists. That is technically a triple-double. She also made a really nice pass to Tiana Hawkins in the corner for a three. Just just went one direction, whipped it the other. It was really cool. In the Minnesota game, Ariel Powers and I think it was Jess Shepard tried to trap her around a pick and then she pulled a Barry Sanders move and just wriggled the other way and sped into the gap and then fired it off to Natasha cloud at the elbow for a three. It was dynamite. It's great, great play. Rui is going to be fantastic. Her stats are not going to show it for a little bit. She's still figuring out the league, but once she does just be ready, I'm telling you right now you're hearing it here that she's going to be great. There's another article, another point here, something about me inspiring Dana Evans to score 
20, <laughs> career high 24 points. I think that's giving me far too much credit. Uh, but I'll briefly explain what happened is Winsiders, Ari Schwartz, I, for, I even forget what he was. He posted something and then friend of the pod, ENFP dream fan, who is, as his name suggests, a fan of the Atlanta dream, asked about three players. He asked about, I, I don't even remember, Awat Kuir was one of them. And, oh yeah, that's right. His uh, One of his favorites for most improved is Ari McDonald. Ari McDonald, Awat Kuir, and Dana Evans. And some stupid podcast host had to open his big mouth and said, you know, basically that he thought Ari had them, was probably the one to improve the most this season. Awak will wind up the best, the best at the end of the day. And Dana Evans might not last, would only last until Julie Alleman showed up. Will we? Yeah. You know, first of all, let me, let me state that that, that has nothing to do with Dana Evans ability, that comment. It was basically logistics. I figured her as only a point guard, and I didn't think they were just going to keep three straight point guards. Uh, in retrospect, and it was shortly after I said, you know what, that's probably wrong, and they'll keep her around because they don't have a lot of off-guard backup help either. So they'd, they'd have to go find somebody who was necessarily going to be better than Dana Evans, and that was absolutely no sure thing. Well, uh, before I could think of even deleting it, I saw that she liked to post and I'm like, oh, I, it didn't even occur to me because that wasn't in my mind. It's like, oh, does Dana Evans likes like what? You know, I did like, wait, she liked what? What? Why am I seeing this? And then I saw the reply and she's it's like, thank you. I really needed this today. And I'm like, what is she replying? Oh, <laughs> womp, womp, oh womp. no. So I've been in this situation with players before, and a lot of them have just quote tweeted me, and then I get blasted by whatever the fans of whatever college they came from is basically, basically what happens. So no, she just she just did said you know thank you I needed this today, and then a winky smile, a winky emoji or whatever you call it, and then I just replied back. I was like, well, she's already seen it. I'll leave it there, and I just said, what did I say? I said I love to be proven wrong. Go get it, and then she replied, yeah, and with a kissy face <laughs> emoji. And then she deleted it, which I'm, cause I'm sure like, you know, who the hell am I? She, I don't deserve that. And uh, that was it. I thought she handled it extremely well. I didn't at her or anything. She wasn't, she wasn't anywhere in there. She, so she was clearly looking up her name on Twitter and uh, looking at maybe for motivation. And, and then she went out and violently proved me wrong. It's <laughs> basically what happened. And she just, she had probably one of the best games so far out of all the players. Yeah, you know, she had her best game by far. No, absolutely. her best game, but I'm saying one of the best games, period. She filled it up. <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, she was our <laughs> most productive player. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, one of the, she's, our, she's like, for the MVP tracker, if you're just going by how they've performed so far, that was, that was a hell of a game. She, yeah, she just killed it. Absolutely destroyed it. I've never been proven more wrong in my life so quickly and so dramatically. So yeah, I reached out and I just said, great game. I've never been proven wrong so much. And that was it. And it, uh, that is the end of that. Dana, fantastic. Uh, great game. I love the way you handled it. I appreciate that you didn't just stick a bunch of followers on me. It was very cool. She's made a new fan. So that's it. I heard <sighs> a whole time. 
<laughs> You're like, oh like, god, we're gonna get uh, hate snap. from people. Who's <laughs> <laughs> yeah. this guy? <laughs> opening the door with a with a can full of gas. Opening <laughs> his big mouth. <sighs> okay, on to the meat and potatoes. That was very long. That was probably our longest news roundup, but there was a lot to talk about. But uh, we're moving on to the meat and potatoes. Something that we've all put a heck of a lot of work into. I've put way too much work into this. I, I think. I think. I'm, I'm going to take it easier. You may have put in more work than the rest of us. <laughs> <laughs> it really was way too much. I, I was like, yeah, I want my opinion to be thoroughly researched and blah, 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 blah. And it's going to be for like one podcast and we're ever going to, we're going to forget it ever happened. So here's what we did. Each of us put uh, together a list of our top 25 players for the year 2022 and how effective we think they're going to be, how much they will contribute to their team's performance, et cetera, et cetera. That is, that is kind of basically the gist of it. The two players who were left off, one was Brittany Griner uh, for obvious reasons. And I think we can all agree with, if, and when Brittany shows up to play this season, she will be a top three player or thereabouts. She is fantastic. She's one of the best players in the game and I hope she comes home soon. And then the other one was Nafisa Collier, which also for obvious reasons, but she is also a very, very, very good player. I think personally, I would probably put her, if not in the top 10, very, very close to it. I think she's fantastic. Uh, Swiss Army knife of a player. She's having a baby, so great for her. And that will probably take up the great majority of her season, if not all of it. So everybody made their top 25, and then I tallied it up. Uh, one point for 25th place for each of us up to 25 points for first place. And I added them all up and I broke ties with whichever player had the highest finish on any one of our lists, because that seemed like the most fun way to do it. And here we are. There are going to be some unusual, unusual choices on here, or at least an unusual order. Don't take it too seriously if you're out there. Don't don't come and yell at us because because X player was 15th and then he should never she should never have been that high and this player was 17th and they're way better. Blah 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 blah. Don't do that. No, do take it very personally. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, yeah. Actually, never mind. Snap Wilson directly. <laughs> he would love to hear from you, and then he'll respond and be like, "This only motivates me." And then our podcast <laughs> next week will be out of this world. I, I'll just say thank you. I needed that today. <laughs> And then I'll I'll write a 200-page list. So uh, just to, just to kind of uh, uh, go through it, some players who did not make the list didn't have enough votes. Sue Bird didn't make it. Diana Taurasi didn't make it. Caleb McBride, Chelsea Gray, that that might be kind of a surprise for some people out there. I did run my list by friend of the pod Stephen Trinkwald, and he his his main takeaway, the one thing I said because I told I asked him, I said, hey, who on here stands out to you as not belonging? And who should belong. And he said that Chelsea Gray was probably better than three players that I had on the list. So that is another point for her. She finished 26. I had Chelsea on my list. You had so, you had Chelsea. You were the only yeah. one. MJ and I both left her off. So hmm. you can be angry, Uh-oh. angry at the two of us. It was not Becky. Becky had her on the list. Yeah. Yeah. Chelsea, Chelsea was 26th on mine. I could just couldn't ignore the math. Her true shooting percentage the last three seasons has been has been pretty bad. And it's kind of this, uh, she makes up for it in a lot of ways, just, just from that level of percentages, it was, it's been really, really low, 
She makes up for it a lot, though, obviously, in her playmaking. And she has quarterbacked the, the league-leading offense last year, and they were great with her on the floor in both the regular season and the playoffs. And she's clutch. And I think in the all of the little ways that you don't get to see necessarily in terms of leadership and and all of that, I, I definitely think as as somebody who pays very, very close attention to Aces games, that she has a super positive impact. So it is quite possible that we underrated her, but I just had her 26th. So she just missed the list by that much. Other players receiving votes were Tiffany Hayes, Courtney Williams, Derricka Hamby, Kelsey Mitchell. And we're just going to have to ask you about this one, MJ, since this was yours. Ariel Powers. Uh-oh. Give us your Ariel Powers take. I mean, look, it's a, you, you, <sighs> just, you said it was a personal thing. So I just just tell us about it. Well, Ariel is from here. She's from Detroit. Mm-hmm. She went to all Michigan stu- uh, school. She went to Country Day State. And and actually, my manager knows her mother as well. So I might have a way to try to get her on the show, maybe. Oh, but, well, we sh- but- probably shouldn't have left her out the top Actually, 25 Ariel list. Actually, Ariel Powers is number three on the list. She's um, number three. I am three and a half. List. I am this. <laughs> I mistyped. <laughs> on what list? <laughs> oh, on oh, the list follow. of players we know. <laughs> She's number one on the list of players we want to come onto the podcast. How about that? But yes, so okay. it's a little biased with that pick with Ariel, you know. And then okay. I just also think with with Fee being out that she would step up a little bit more. So that's that's kind of starting with it, you know. Like, all right, time for you to show up a little bit more. Okay. So uh, let's let's move on to those who actually did make the list, starting at number 25. And the way that we'll do this is whoever had the highest uh, put put the highest place for this particular for the particular person that we're discussing. They will get to discuss them first and then the rest of us will get to chime in after that. So uh, number 25 is Betnaija Laney. And the one who had her the highest ranked was oh, Becky. No. Oh, Oh, so Becky, uh, tell us about Benajah Laney and why she made your list. You had her ranked 19th. Yeah. I mean, we're, we're predicting for 2022. She's gotten measurably better every year. The last few years, last year, she started the season with like 10, 20 point games in a row or something like that. She's an offensive force. She's was someone who was always known for her lockdown defense who then became an offensive force. Her defense faltered a little bit last year, but the team's going to be better this year. I think she's just going to be a dynamo. So I don't know why 19 over anything else, but she deserves to be on the list, and that's why she's there. Okay. What about you, MJ? You did not list Betnaija at all. So why do you think she's terrible and completely unworthy of a spot? She made my <laughs> she made a, my a, my very first list. Okay. What I don't happened? know where because it, it I didn't have them in any order when okay. I first wrote it. I was just throwing names on there. That's just like top 25. No necessary order at the time. Just just people that come to mind first that stand out. So I was thinking that same thing because I don't know it. This is why you do not let media determine who the top 25 is and listen to it and hold on to it because my list <laughs> have people crazy. Okay, like, I figure it is. It's what like is you're telling thinking? us like all of our picks are trash. <laughs> no, I'm telling people all of my picks are trash. Like, 
or they're just like crazy because it's rooted in biasness it's rooted in an upside it's rooted in who just came off a title it's rooted in like so if you hear some kind of left field don't get upset with me you know can i give my official caveat now snap go for it i know you're the most well-researched of them all so you don't have to do a caveat my caveat is i would like to say I last played pro- professional. I last played team basketball in eighth mm-hmm. grade. My team once only four players showed up for the other team. <laughs> what? We played five. They played four. We lost. Oh and I was telling this story to my parents. Like, did this happen? They're like, yeah, you didn't just lose. It was a blowout. Oh my God. No. So, <laughs> I've, I've answered. I've answered the prompt. <laughs> I may not be the most qualified person to answer the prompt. That's my official caveat. Snap is very well researched, so go ahead. Well, you know that actually happened to me in a like a business league. You know where they put together. A, I was doing some work for a law firm, and they put together a thing, and I played in JV. So I had more skills than some of the other players on the team. So I was kind of a ringer on the team, but we had five one game and they had four and they didn't blow us out, but they did beat us like narrowly. And it was the most depressing thing that ever happened to me in sports. I hated that. So we have something in common there. Anyway, but Nyjah, here, here's where I'm at. 2020, she was scored 17.2 points per game, which is ninth in the league. In 2021, 16.8, 10th in the league. Uh, in 2020, she shot 40.5% from three, which was probably a little out of her her career range, her career is 32.1%. Uh, she won most improved, second team all defense. Last season, she was an all-star in the greatest WNBA all-star game ever played. She's averaged 30 over 33 minutes per game both seasons. Only one player has averaged more over the last two seasons. That was Ben Nafisa Collier. There is a thing called Synergy, which tracks every play in the WNBA, and it tracks every every possession by individual players. So uh, in terms of how good her overall offense was, this is everything but assists, basically. In 2020, she was in the 68th percentile, which is very good. In 2021, that dropped down to the 47th percentile, which is not so great for a star. I think both of those are a little bit, they're kind of outliers, I think, in in different directions. The 2020 percentage is probably based a lot on that on that three-point shooting, which is which is not really anywhere near her career average. The 2021 is low because the team was a tire fire and she was having to do way too much. Over the last two two seasons, she's been in in a per possession in points. She's been 23rd, assists 23rd, true shooting 49th, turnovers 5th worst, and usage 16th. She is mostly a pick and roll player in terms of the types of plays that she does, but her percentile in both years has been really, really bad. It's been in the 28th percentile. So the question really is for me, for her, looking looking at all of this stuff and looking at footage, game footage of, of what she's done, her high usage, and even, even if the efficiency is kind of middling, even at 47th percent, the, with the high usage that she has, that's good if your team is not good. It's kind of a floor raising effect that you are pushing them a bit closer from being bad to being mediocre. That's why I had her 22nd is just because she can use, she's a tank. She can play a lot of minutes. She can use up a lot of possessions. Even if the the efficiency isn't great, it still is enough to keep you from being terrible. 
when the team gets better, I'm wondering what her role is going to be since she hasn't been had a lot of success as a pick and roll player. What is her best role in the offense and how does she adjust? If, if Sabrina takes a leap this year, that's another player who we probably could have given some discussion. Then what does Benajah do? Does she move to off ball skills and try and, you know, take advantage of off ball movement? Does she become a spot up player? How does that work? And if she's doing that and initiating as much of her own offense, but she's doing it better, does she still, is she still a top 25 player? It's my question. So you could have left her off if you were mostly efficiency-based, but there there is still a lot to like about her. She obviously has skills or she wouldn't have been put in that position in the first place. She's a great story. The the improvement is probably one of the most dramatic after a player has been in the year, in the league for several years, performing one role and then suddenly switching to a different role and being able to, to sustain it to some degree. So it's a great story. It's very cool. I hope things definitely go better for her and that she is able to up that efficiency and still play a dynamic style of game. Cool. Number 24 on our list is... This is the player I'm going to get mad at you guys about, just so, you know, steal yourself. Oh. Okay. It's Ariel Atkins. Ariel Atkins is a four-time all-defense. She was an all-star in 2021. She was elected to the Olympic team. Per 75 over the last two years, she is 20th in points per 75 possessions. Uh, I guess points per possession. doesn't matter how many possessions we're talking about. 58th in assists. 8th overall in steals. 41st in true shooting with a very, very decent 556 true shooting percentage. She is a great three-point shooter, 36.6% on 4.9 three-point attempts per game over her career. Synergy, her offense is 78th percentile in 2020, 75th in 2021. And putting that in some context, that's really impressive given the teams that she was on because both of them were atrocious offensively and just had a really tough time generating offense and that she was able to be as efficient as she was on those teams is pretty impressive. I had her the highest ranked, so I'm going to go into it. I had her ranked... Where did I have her ranked? 16th. MJ had her ranked 25th. And Becky didn't have her ranked at all. You shame me, guys. You shame me. Oh, I'm so I mad. A, I have a mild defense of myself, but not All a right, game. go for it. First election to the Olympic team did not play into my mind at all because we know that's not the top 12 players by any stretch. I think what kind of dinged her for me and... She was one of those borderline players. She was on my like honorable mentions list that I didn't quite know is that, yeah, the Mystics teams have been pretty bad the last couple years without Deladon. Mm -hmm. And she wasn't even, you know, I would say last year, Tina Charles was the best player of the team. The year before, Mamisimo was the best player of the team. So she was playing well, but the, she, she didn't the move the needle. results in team yeah. success. It didn't move the needle to team success. So, you know, I didn't watch a lot of film on her or didn't watch the Mystics that closely last year because it was just like they're often there was like seven of them in these weird games. So it could be a little bit of a blind spot for me, but that's why I felt like she was kind of a borderline on this list and she didn't just quite make it. Right. Yeah, that 2020 team, we're going to, we'll be talking about Emma Miesemann a little bit down the line. That 2020 team was not a real WNBA team. They had, they were constantly playing like eight players. They were completely shorthanded all season long. 
And then four of those players were like Kiara Leslie and gosh, I, I, I don't even remember. It was it was really, really bad. I, I wrote it down and I was like, all right, there's four players who are not in the WNBA. Oh, no, one of them actually is the Elena Coates. Elena Coates was one of them. She's still with Indiana as, as this, this recording. But yeah, it was like Kiara Leslie and her and Jackie uh, Gemelos. I think that's how you say her name. And Sug Sutton and Essence Carson. They had like four, you know, players that were expected to stick around in the league in Emma and Maisha Hines-Allen, Ariel and Leilani Mitchell. And that was basically it. Ariel Powers was on that team, but then she she got injured really, really quickly and she wasn't able to play. And then everybody else just ran out of gas. They were constantly, constantly overworked and they were constantly struggling. So I think under the circumstances, she was really, really, she did really, really well that year. But moving on, she's got, she does everything well. This is the reason that I think that she is a mid-teens kind of player or thereabouts. She does everything well. Uh, spot up, transition, pick and roll, playing off the ball. She is just uh, elite at off ball skills. She's a perfectly decent secondary ball handler. She was in the 66th percentile in pick and roll in synergy. Uh, she has to be guarded out to the three point line, of course, so she opens up the floor for everybody else. She is also one of the best perimeter defenders in the league, four time all defense, four time top 10 steals. She generates a lot of turnovers. And then on top of that, since we're specifically looking at 2022, she may get to play a num number of decent number of games with Elena Deladon. So if anything pushes up her efficiency and she enables her to succeed more, then that might be it. That's what I think that she is. There's like three elite perimeter players in the league. And you out there may be able to guess who I'm talking about. And then the fourth one, I think, is kind of up for grabs. And she is one of those players who I think is in the running for that type of position. MJ, what do you think about Ariel Atkins? I actually, she she didn't cross my mind okay. at first. So I don't really have a defense. Because <laughs> <laughs> as soon as you brought her name up, I was like, oh, oh, yeah. Cause I just, I, you know, I felt like I was forgetting people, especially putting fee and who I had on there, Brittany Griner, you know, the people who are mm -hmm. missing. Yeah. Like I put them on the list. I didn't think I was, once I got to 25, it was an honorable mention list and she didn't make it yet. Like mm -hmm. I had Benigel Laney on mine and I had moved her to the honorable mention list. Like that first list I, list I sent you, it had DT and Benigel on it. Yep. So yeah, I was getting there, but you know. Have all to right. go ahead and make a call. <laughs> okay. Well, I'm very, very upset, but that's all right. We'll move past. No, don't it. be. Don't be. <laughs> she made it. She made mine. She's just even though I, I kind of yeah, agree did. with yeah. Becky though. Like she didn't really affect winning, but well, she's going to be her fantastic performance this year. on the floor. Yeah. Like her. Yeah. I, I think she's in. She has a better team this year. So I know. hope she searches podcasts for her name. Uh oh. <laughs> all right. I love you, Ariel. I had you mid teens. <laughs> Maybe even that's too low for you. I don't know. I don't know how well she, how much she takes uh, motivation from this sort of thing. Moving on to number 23. This is kind of a surprising pick. I think most of the people will think it's kind of surprising out here, but it is interesting. And uh, number 23 is Alicia Gray. She was the 2017 Rookie of the Year. She Wait, is an Olympic 3x3 three three player. She averaged 11.9 points, 5.2 rebounds, 36% from, from three last year. The person who had her highest, in fact, the, person who, the only person who, who put her in the top 25 
was okay was me mike <laughs> yeah Michael i'm like james tolliver yeah junior junior michael james tolliver junior michael T- james tolliver junior that sounds like MJ. a boxer name by the way yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay um, tell us why we're wrong mj yeah alicia gray tell yeah. us why i'm wrong <laughs> <laughs> well okay why i'm biased okay tell me, that she made tell it on this list no tell me why i'm wrong why yeah, we didn't neither of us neither of us had her in the top 25 I, yeah, oh, I didn't well list. my thing was watching arike go totally aimlessly ballistic and then <laughs> seeing <laughs> and i love arike I just want to let put that out there in case she, you know she listens. Anybody listen, listen. I'm not targeting you. I'm just pointing out basketball stuff. Alicia is more controlled. They were able to get things executed better with Alicia on the floor. Just her floor presence. So she was somebody who I thought of once I got uh, low on the list, even though she's up high on my list, which is wild because we did the voting process and I chose her with bias in mind. But she just provided stability to me that the team didn't have until she came back. Like they were just all over the place. And then they started uh, etching out some wins to me because of her presence. Cause coach didn't want it. She didn't know what she wanted to do with Marina. Satu was out early and then she was inconsistent. Rike was a constant, but she would not close or have moments where it's like, you can feel Dallas had control of the game. Alicia brought that for me. So and, you know, like I said before, I watched more Wings games last year than any other team. So I kind of, there's a little Wings bias in there, you know. But, sure. you know, I, I've set sail. Sorry, Drew. Well, what's hard with Alicia is, like, I I do think that Vicky is not utilizing her to her best of her ability. She the problem is she's going to remain on the wings this year. So she's going to continue to be that. I feel like I would like to see her maybe in a different system because the talent is there. Definitely the coach. Trust me. <laughs> I can't deal with it. It's, yeah. I'm pretty, I'm pretty anti Vicky right now. Yeah. I've been anti Vicky. Ooh, we. So yeah, Alicia, the only reason I actually had her on my short list, you know, if I, if I extended the list out to like 35, I'd probably have her in there somewhere. She is extremely efficient. Her overall offense in 2020 was in the 94th percentile per synergy. And then in 2021, it was 81st. And that was a lot of the the drop came from the the uh, tryouts for the three by three on three. When she came back, she was kind of a little wonky. But overall, she's extremely efficient career or her three point percentage over the past uh, like three seasons or, or so when she started out for first couple of years. She wasn't, she wasn't hitting very well from deep, but she has really improved it up to 37%, basically. She fills it up 31st in points per possession, 44th in rebounds, 45th in steals, 19th best in turnovers. So she commits very few of them, mostly because she basically shoots or drives to the, to the hoop. The only reason I didn't list her was we compare her to Ariel Atkins. I think Ariel Atkins is just a more complete offensive player who can get her own shot. And Alicia is kind of reliant on other people to do that for her. And then we've got also, and specifically in regards to 2022, we know that Arike is not really going to change her game. She's not going to start like distributing more and shooting less. We kind of saw that in the first game. She was basically trying to, trying to hammer a nail with, with her hand 
in that game. On top of that, we have another, a bunch of players who potentially could increase their usage, which would kind of push, push her a little further down the list. In Marina Mabry, Satu Sabali, both of them could take some, become more involved in the offense. And that kind of pushes everybody else a little down in terms of usage, which that's what happens when, when you are kind of the recipient and not somebody who generates your own offense. But she's great. She's a fantastic defender, just kind of short of the all defense tier a little bit. But I think she defended when Kayla was with the aces. I thought Alicia Gray defended her better than anybody else. She was she was uh, really, really terrific. And I've always wanted her on the aces. That's like one of my dream acquisitions. I'd love to have Alicia Gray as our shooting guard. So she was on the short list. I did give her a lot of consideration. And it was just basically the inability to generate her own shot that she was more of uh, somebody who, who finished other plays was the only reason that she didn't make it. All right, uh, moving on up to number 22. This is another one that only one of us voted for. She was very, very close on my list. I would put her right below Chelsea at 27th. And that is Brianna Jones. Becky, you had her 14th. And neither MJ or I had her in the top 25. (laughs) This is actually a real easy explanation as to why she should make it. But go ahead and tell us, uh, give us your thoughts on Brianna. Yeah, well, what happened was you gave us this beautiful little um, (laughs) stat spreadsheet. And the first thing I did was sorted it by win shares. And she was fifth. (laughs) She was fifth in win shares. Go to player efficiency rating, she's eighth. Those fifth and eighth seemed a little high. And like when I looked at my final list, I'm like, is Brianna Jones the 16th best player? I don't know. But the numbers... The stats tell me. The numbers are great. <laughs> and, you know, Connecticut were the, like, dominant regular season team last year. And according to your numbers, Snap, <laughs> she was the second best player on it. So there she is. Okay, that's fair. But yeah, let me get into these numbers just a little bit. She she did win uh, 21. In 2021, she won the Most Improved Player Award. She was an all-star. And that makes her the first all-star from... 2017 draft, I believe, which is kind of interesting to think about. Points per 75, or points per possession, rather, 27th over the last two years. Offensive rebounds, second behind Tierra McCowan. Total rebounds, 24th. Steals, 10th. True shooting, 5th. Overall offense in percentile, 93% in in, uh, 2020, 88% in 2021. Yeah, it just... all of these look amazing because they are her big skills, her post up a pick and roll as a role man, role woman, role player, whatever you call it, doing cuts, putbacks, all over a point per possession, which is very, very good. She is a pretty solid defender, not a versatile one necessarily. She can only really guard the the paint bound bigs and protect, you know, protect the rim in that way. She is not very playable against centers who can stretch the floor. As we remember in the semifinals against Chicago, she had a really hard time kind of stepping out on Steph. She weirdly doesn't block a lot of shots. Like it's in the same range. Her block shot rate is like at the same range as Alicia Gray, Dewana Bonner, or Skyler. Around that. The only reason I didn't put her, she, based on a per minute type of, of player that she is, she definitely is a, a top 25 player. It was the minutes that concerned me a little bit because now Alyssa Thomas is back and they have Dewana Bonner and Alyssa Thomas and John Jones. And to me, she's 
fourth on that list in terms of the likelihood of getting minutes. We'll kind of have to see how that shakes out. I could be totally wrong about that. And maybe they'll, they'll find a way to get her out there more and more. It was just that. And then, and then it was the, there are going to be some matchups where she's, she's not going to see a lot of the floor. I think, especially in the playoffs that kind of pushed her right outside the top 25. MJ, you have any thoughts on Brianna Jones? Other than I messed up. <laughs> That's fine. <laughs> you um, go with that. <laughs> she's another one I didn't think about just off the top of my head. And she, she just looking at my list. Cause I don't know. I would say, well, I don't want to spoil it. We'll mention in the name, spoil anything. Just uh, say no. X instead of mentioning well, the player name. X. <laughs> player X. <laughs> that hasn't played uh, much in X amount of seasons. I'll keep it. I'll keep it. You guys probably know who I'm talking about now, but you know, she could have replaced player X who hasn't played in X amount of seasons or, mm-hmm. you know, over the, over the course of the last three or so only like one, but you know, like one of those types of players. Oh yeah. I think we're getting to her too. Yeah. And that's, you know, kind of why I originally didn't have her in there, but it's like, and you know, it's a lot of factors in there, like body of work, but I definitely should have had her in there. Cause yeah, she, she deserves to be on the list. She's a very, very good player. She's probably like a top seven center in the league. So yeah. And I'm real high on, uh, front court players if you yep. if you you knew how my list was before the final final draft <laughs> it was just front court it was like front court then whatever because <laughs> i just think front court players are more stable in the wnba life. Uh, i'm not going to mention where you had brianna stewart initially ranked i think we would cause a riot yeah no don't do that <laughs> <laughs> i'm not trying to get stormed on you know what i mean okay number 21 <laughs> out there is the probably the player we're all kind of projecting to make uh, a bit of a leap and that is satu sabali and uh, i think i had her ranked the highest i'm pretty sure i did i did i had her ranked 19 becky you had her ranked 22nd this is she appeared on all our li- all of our lists which is kind of rare so i had her ranked 19th becky had her ranked 22nd and and mj had her ranked 24th i'm not going to even get into her 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 numbers over the past you know since she she's come up because if you look at them, they're not the numbers of a top 25 player. We're all kind of expecting her to be better than she has to this point. Having said that, I think she can get there. I think that it is only been an issue of health and maybe a few really bad games. I did a thing where I took away her seven worst games and just wanted to see what it would look like. It seemed like a realistic leap to me where she's around 15 points per game. She's around seven rebounds a game, three assists, uh, one block, and she's going to the line five times a game, which would put her in like the top five in in the league. And she's like a mid 55% true shooting, which would be great. I think that is, she can even exceed that because one area, area that she struggled so far in the WNBA is an area I think she can get a lot better. She is currently around a 25% three-point shooter. She was 38% in college. She's a very good free throw shooter. She she was like 77% in college. She's 83% so far in the WNBA. That's usually a good sign that a player can improve on their three-point percentage. I think she can get into the mid-30s easily at the very least, and maybe even a little bit better than that. In her best games, she has shown the ability to get to the rim for quality shots and drawn fouls. She's a great foul drawer. She's put some very good defenders, just made them look silly. 
Her best game was probably in the Wubble against the Aces. She made Dirka look absolutely silly. She got two quick fouls on Asia that had to, they had that sent her to the bench. Like I said, I feel really good about her outside shot. She's a very solid passer at finding cutters, operating from the perimeter, finding cutters to the hoop, that sort of thing. If she plays like if if she plays the five in in Dallas and is able to step out and you have to go chase her with somebody, that really, really helps Dallas out. She has the potential to be really, really productive if she can if she can just avoid, you know, stay healthy. It worries me a little bit about about her her injury history and what she's had to go through. But if she can do that, then it really is going to open up things for for Dallas, I think she can be potentially Dallas's best player ahead of Arike and everybody else. The other only injury thing is her defense is lagging a bit behind her offense. Just need it's just a question of improving positioning, reducing fouls, that sort of thing. And you know, that's the kind of thing that players usually get better at as as they get older. So I'm predicting big things for her. I think that she is she already was an all-star and I think it was that was a little premature the voting for her last season, but I think she'll definitely earn it this season, and she will be, if not Dallas's best player, very very close. MJ, let's start with you. What do you what do you think about such? Uh oh, just tell me. Come on, <laughs> I, I feel the same way. Like it's it's breakout season. I agree that her three is missing in the WNBA. Every time she shoots it, though, I still just think it's going to fall. And yeah, it she, doesn't look bad. It's not like it looks awkward or anything. no, it doesn't. It is she just missing it? And, you know, I think it's got to do with just, you know, her being overseas and then the injury stuff. And she has not consistently been in the lineup. And then again, we put the icing on the cake and I'm going to just be real short. The coach. So okay. once they're once she's given a particular role and pretty much told to f- just fill that role, we'll see her shine and and then, you know, potentially go above that to the point where she can grab the bull by the horns. You know what I'm saying? So it's just like, well, go get me X amount of points, X amount of rebounds, hustle on this end, move your feet on defense, and then she can go from there as opposed to, you know, we think we're going to play through Satu, but Arike's not going to allow that, or Marina's in the lineup and then things are going this way. Well, now Marina's on the bench today. Like, Mm. Dallas as a whole, any player we put on this list, the coach has to figure out what's going to happen with them. Or For sure. they all need to be at the bottom of this 25 list, if not under the 25. <laughs> and that's no that's no offense to them. I'm just you know, what I'm no, saying? that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, we can we can say what we want about that, too. We see we we know what we're seeing. I know what I see when I watch her overseas for Fenerbahce. How do you pronounce it? Fenerbahce? Yeah, uh, Fenerbahce. Yeah. Yeah. I know what I'm seeing, but mm-hmm. it just doesn't translate to the wings. I'm not going to say the WNBA, but just to the wings in particular. But I do have high hopes for her as well. I do think she should have made the list. Hopefully they get it together this season and stick to a game plan. Just stay the course instead of going through the lineup changes like it's 82 games. It's not 82. It's 36. And, you know, that's Mm -hmm. the only way they're going to grow. Okay. How about you, Becky? I agree. She's on there because I think she can play better than her previous stats. And I'll leave it at that because we're only at number 21. <laughs> and it's okay, been fair a while. <laughs> All right. We'll, we'll try and speed it up a little bit. Number 20 is maybe a, also maybe a surprise for some people. Angel McCautry. 
And both of you, Becky and MJ, you both had her in your top 25. MJ had her at 19th. You had her at 20th. I didn't have her in the top 25. But uh, MJ, take it away. Why Angel? I originally had her off because I don't know what to expect from her because she Mm -hmm. went out. You know, this is the X player I was talking about. She's been out two of the last three and yeah, uh, coming back from injury and the way that the league is trending, you know, of course, is getting younger and younger. But can she I mean, she's got a spot, so she has an opportunity to, you know, prove it again. And then if she does, that's a good 13 and six. You know what I'm saying? Like you're going to get some production out of her. So and and just her body of work and the fact that she's already come back before from injury. Sure. So, OK, you know, go ahead and throw her on here. Who's who's better? You know, right. And that's that's in the 25. I mean, maybe in my 25. Yeah. Somebody else, you know, but yeah, she she deserves to be here. OK. How about you, Becky? I agree. She's a little hard to predict because she's coming back from an injury. Um, last time she came back from an injury, people weren't expecting much or was hearing a lot of grumblings about her not being as good. And she was an incredible bench player for the Aces and really did a lot for that team. Mm-hmm. And man, I just love Angel McCutcheon. <laughs> so <laughs> I would true. like <laughs> I would like to see her be able to come back. And I think, you know, her game's gonna be a little different than it was when she was younger, but I think she still's got she'll still has great like a high basketball IQ, great leadership on the team, a lot to contribute. The links looked Pretty rough this opening weekend, but she was only one of those games. So I, I'm hoping she she turns it around. Yeah. So she was sensational in the wobble, especially on a per minute basis. Uh, she averaged 14.4 points and 5.1 rebounds, 1.3 steals just in 20 minutes per game. That That's all she played. Uh, so just extrapolating that out on a point per possession basis, I had it initially a 500 minute low limit. She played 440. So if I lowered it another 60 minutes, uh, she was second in points per possession, eighth in free throw attempts, 13th in offensive rebounds, 26th in total rebounds, 30th in assists, third in steals, uh, true shooting percentage of 609, which w- was good for 10th, 92%, uh, 92nd percentile in overall offense. She was fantastic. She was just basically uh, somebody who could do anything. Her offensive role was she did whatever was required. She did pick and roll ball handling. She did off ball, running off screens, spotting up, doing post-ups. The the only caveats, again, it's like what we don't know what to, to expect. I don't think she's going to be that good upping her minutes beyond 20. The other thing is that she went from the transition team, the Las Vegas Aces, to a team that doesn't really get out and transition all that much in Minnesota, especially with the current point guards that they have. So I'm really worried about her offense. But Honestly, it's not. It is basically, yeah, I don't know what to expect from her. I don't know where she is after only playing, you know, uh, 20 games, 22 games over the past three years. So we're going to have to see, but I'm hoping for the best for her. She's awesome. She's one of my favorite people in all of the WNBA. So I hope she has great success and lives up to this ranking. Moving right along is another one where we all had a very, very big difference of opinion on it. It was Emma Mieseman. I had her, this is probably the one I'm going to get uh, slagged for. I had her 11th, which I'm sure a lot of people are is going to are going to think is extremely high. Becky, you had her at 24th. MJ, you didn't have her at all. Over the, if you went by her Wubble season, 
then yeah, you definitely would not call her a top 25 player. She really struggled, but we've talked about that team and that team sucked. Uh, it, they were just shorthanded all year. Everybody, they started off really well. If, if you remember, they started off really well. I think they won, you know, maybe not their five first games or something close to it, but they were performing extremely well. And then everybody just ran out of gas and they sucked. The team that's going to be closer to what she's playing this year was, is the 2019 mystics. Now, obviously this is the greatest defensive team of all time. So you're not expecting the 2022 Chicago sky to be that, or maybe you are, if you're a big, big fan, but I think that's going to be closer to how she's going to play. And in that season, she was absolutely incredible. She was a monster. I won't get into all of the numbers, but she had a true shooting percentage of 62.8, which is comically good. She is a three-level scorer in, in the best sense of the word. She can play inside. She can shoot threes. She's 37.6 career percent from three. She is a really good passer out of the post. She can get the ball inside and sling it around and the efficiency actually goes up when she passes it as opposed to when she shoots it. It will require another team to play a big who can step out and guard from that, considering that she's also going to be playing alongside Candice for a lot of her time. That is, I don't know how you cover that. I don't know who has two players, you know, the aces kind of do, but I don't know who has two players who can, who can guard those two everywhere that they can be. She can be anywhere on the floor. They have cutters, they have passers, they have shooters. She's going to have a field day. I would not pick her 11th on every single team in the league, but for the 2022 sky, she's going to be fantastic. It would not surprise me if she was their most productive player this season. And she's probably going to be on the bench, coming off the bench when when Kalia gets back. Because I don't think they're going to run Candace and Emma and, and Azure. You know, you got to make room for Quigley and Copper. Somebody's going to the bench. I think it'll be Emma. It makes more sense to kind of start Azure against certain centers. And then Emma will just come into the second unit. And she's she's that just means more destruction. She's going to be amazing. So... That's my thoughts on Emma Mieseman. What about you, Becky? What do you think? I love your vision of Emma <laughs> Mieseman. I, I think I dinged her on my list a little bit just for that 2020 season. Obviously, you know, in 2019, she came off the bench. So just because you're a bench player doesn't mean you're the sixth best player on the team. But yeah, it was mostly dinging her for that 2020 season that had her lower on my list. And, you know, it's been a year since I've seen her. So, Right. Very true. Uh, MJ, any thoughts on Emma? Other than her being on the Mystics <laughs> during that time, mm-hmm. n- not really. It's, uh, it's another overlook for me. Another okay. player I just overlooked because she's very solid. And, and yeah, being next to Candace too, mm-hmm. it is, is going to be a problem, especially when Quiggs gets back. Ooh-wee. Yeah. Good Lord. So, yeah. So Everybody's going to be her. jealous. Yeah. Oh, sorry. We're putting her on the sixth player of the year watch list, even though she started the most recent game. Yeah, 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 yeah. As soon as uh, we're sure that she's actually going to be coming off the bench. All right. Uh, Moving on up. uh, Number 18 is somebody we all had, I think. Yes, I think all of us had her on on our list. It is Dewana Bonner. I had her ranked 24th. Becky, you had her ranked 23rd. And MJ, you had her ranked the highest up at 13th. So tell us how you feel about Dewana Bonner. I, I feel like I made a mistake and should have ranked her higher. <laughs> no, seriously. Oh, really? Yeah. 
like I, I revised, you know, after we did the final and I'm mm-hmm. like, uh, did I really pull it this low? She like she's like the Kevin Durant of the WNBA mm-hmm. to me. So just just her scoring ability alone is is crazy. Like on the right team, she just will be always. Unst- I mean, she's always unstoppable anyway, it seems like. But yeah, she's like she's like the the female Kevin Durant, and and I say that because of her stature and everything too. But just the way her ability to score is mm-hmm. not everybody has that same ability. It's a little bit harder for everybody else. But yeah, I actually think I should have had her higher for for this season. Yeah. Oh, okay. All right. But yeah, yeah, I like I like what she does on the floor. Okay. Uh, what about you, Becky? I think Kevin Durant is the male Brandon Stewart, personally. Yeah. Um, Nice. But I, I I ding Dewana Bonner a little bit. Obviously, I mean, she's on the top 25 list. But the reason mm-hmm. she wasn't higher for me is some of the efficiency. And I yep. don't love her kind of just foul-seeking shot-making. Yes. Um, sometimes it works. But when it doesn't, it looks a little foolish. You know when it didn't work? <laughs> Which is in, oh yeah, in the playoffs. In the playoffs. It did not in work. And we were watching it. She just like will throw her body up there. Yeah. It's like you weren't yeah. even trying to get the ball in. And so, I mean, it's, I guess that's less, it's, I don't think that's very successful necessarily or always for as a player. And it also makes her a little less fun to root for, I guess, depending on what you like. If you like that mm-hmm. style of play, then like, you know, go have fun with it. Go. During, during the regular season when it's when yeah. it's you know time for that to be flashy like that's that's she has flair in her game with that but yeah. when the playoffs come around yeah and te- especially now with teams got more games to dissect you yeah she's gonna have to adjust so so maybe she needs to sit where she is on my list at 13 yeah and when i think about it that way all right yeah i had her lower as well uh, and it's it's basically the same thing that you for the same reason you did the the one the one place the Kevin Durant comparison doesn't really doesn't doesn't definitely falls apart is her three point percentage which is under thirty percent for her career and she shoots that that flat flat three point jumper way way too much Sean Marion that is it's actually a pretty good comp for her because he had that flat really flat jumper as well she fills up the stat sheet. She had 15.2 points per game last season six point four rebounds three and a half assists one point three steals. Yeah, she fills it up. She in per possession, 16th in points, 32nd in rebounds, 39th in assists, 18th in steals, 40th in blocks, and a very low 65th percent in true shooting. 65th percentile, both 2020 and 2021. What I like about her offense, it isn't extremely efficient, but it is extremely varied. She can do like a, v- a wide variety of things. Uh, she can spot up, she can post up, she can do pick and roll, she can blah, 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 do a whole bunch of things. She is pretty good out of the pick and roll handling and that's what she does the most and she was like 72nd percentile last year if she has good targets she can generate offense which is really nice but yeah what you get down when you get down to it is is the arguing the calls too much her free throws per game dipped from 4.3 in the regular season to 2.8 in the playoffs she's one of many of the players on this list who suffered with the free throw attempts in the playoffs because in the WNBA, they things are different. <laughs> I think in the NBA, they are too. I think uh, fouls just take a vacation. But in, in the WNBA, they definitely do. If you're reliant on free throw attempts for a lot of your scoring, then those become missed shots 
and that's bad. But she's a very, very solid defender on top of that, especially at power forward. But she can play the three or the four. She has struggles with speedy, uh, speedy wings. But most most of the more physical wings, like the Nigelanes of the world, or and most power forwards, she's matches up really well. She's very tall. She has those freaky long arms. So she's always kind of a problem in that regard. It generates a lot of oddball matchups that ca- can be used to her advantage. And that was basically the reason that she made the list for me, even if it was only at 24th, is just kind of the versatility of the offense, the good defense, not so much, not so much the counting stats and the numbers, but just all of the various things that she can do. I think that it makes her kind of versatile and useful. And depending on what, what, how, Connecticut configures itself, I think she can find a way to fit in somewhere. Her age was not really a concern to me. She's 34 years old, but we've seen how Dewana Bonner ages and she's an alien from another planet. So that's basically it for her. Moving on up, we now come to number 17. Becky, you you might hate this. Drum roll. Oh, so one of us one of us had this player at number eight on their team, on their Uh list. One of us did not have her at all. I bet it's about to be me. Oh, it's God. about oh, to be you. I'm looking at it now. MJ. <laughs> yeah, I know. Uh, I think I've forgotten about her. She's been overseas. You just forgot about her. Who, I Gabby? <laughs> no. Oh, if, if somebody put Gabby Williams in number eight on their list, I would have just bagged this whole podcast. <laughs> she said, all right, let's talk about something else. It's not, no, um, it's, it's Kalia Copper. Oh, well, yeah. yeah. <laughs> the finals MVP, not the finals not MVP player. Yeah. Yeah. Failure. I'm, <laughs> I'm a total failure for that. I don't know how I did that. Um, I think it worked out wow. well because I think Becky wow. has her way too high. And, and of course, MJ has her way too low. So this worked out perfectly. Uh, but Becky, go ahead. And and so number eight, number eight is very, very high. You're expecting really big things out of her. She was the finals MVP on the reigning WNBA champions. I don't sure. know. I- <laughs> well, so was Emma in 2019. And you could look what happened there. Well, but then, yeah, in 2020, it didn't work out. But next this year, I mean... She proved herself to be almost unguardable in the playoffs. Her confidence is at all-time high. She's going to continue to leak out in transition and embarrass other teams. I I feel good about it. Okay. Team Ka. And so and so MJ you're just going to say you forgot and and that's going to be I that, totally right? forgot. There's no <laughs> We just had a thorough discussion last week on last week's pod about her, like mm-hmm. basically swapping out. And wow. Yeah, 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 yeah. That, that, like I said, failure, total so, failure for not putting her on this list. I had her at 18th, and the only, the only reason I didn't have her higher is because her resume up to this point is not that of a top 25 player in the regular season. The regular season, she was what, at like a for for the points per 75, 34th in the league, true shooting, 46th. That's just it's it's that's not an all star level player. Uh, obviously, in the playoffs, she she went and she she upgraded all the way around. She went from 14.4 in the regular season to 17.7, went from 4.2 rebounds to 5.3. True shooting went from 5.43 to 6.06. As Becky says, she was practically unguardable in all situations. I did think she had favorable matchups. We've talked a little bit about this. Dewana Bonner was not able to stay in front of her. It's not the kind of player she guards very well. And then Phoenix had nobody. Wing defense was their big, big weakness, and she, she just took them apart. So... 
it's just kind of can can we do it over a full season? Can can you sustain it what you did in the playoffs? She's a tremendous transition player, and that is is where most of her efficiency has come from that she has had. Good spot-up shooter as well, generating her own offense. She has a little bit of the problem of, of some of the players that don't do it as well. She's just she's okay at getting her own shot out of the pick-and-roll, but not really good about creating shots for others so much. So I, I kind of see her as more of a finisher but than a creator. But she's great at, like, she's constantly moving around, cutting yes. around, like... And yeah, perfect for that playing, offense. And she's playing with Courtney Vandersloot, who's yep. the best passer in the game. So yep. you don't need her to be passing the ball around. You already have Courtney Vandersloot. That is entirely and true. And, and she she is a tremendous finisher around the rim. She's for her size and build, especially just uh, the agility that she puts on display to get good shots at the rim and sink them. I put her at 18th. I think 18th is a pretty is a pretty damn good player, personally. The people who are above her are just they're better in in shot creation or they're really really better in something else. I this this is a leap for over what she was expected to do. I just don't see her at 8th. 8th is very very high. 8th is going to be what do you what do you call it? All WNBA. And I don't know that I see her yet at that level. But we could be wrong. We'll see we'll see how it goes. So, all right, moving on up, number 16. Also from the Chicago sky, I think this is a little high for her, but she's great, so I don't mind talking about it. Uh, Allie Quigley. And who had Allie Quigley the highest? I'm going to guess it's me again. <laughs> uh, it is you, but only by one spot. You okay, have I actually have notes on her. I took up, I looked okay. at some numbers. And this was one, you know, a big thing that's hard about doing these lists is you're comparing people with different skill sets. Yep. So, you know, how do you compare a really good center with a really good shooter? But what I thought about with Allie Quigley is like, she is the best shooter. Like she, for that position, she is the best at it. And any single team would be dying to have an Allie Quigley on her squad. 100%. She she shot 45% from three last year. She's consistently flirting with 50, 40, 90. She was the best three point shooter last year who shot regularly. I mean, Asia Wilson got 100%, but um, <laughs> Allie Quigley was the best three-point shooter who put up uh, two or more attempts a game. <laughs> Asia has two attempts this season, so she's coming for the crown. <laughs> yeah. Plus, she's a good you know, mover. She doesn't just stand in the corner and get her shots. She runs around to find the shots and put herself in the right position. So, yeah, it was one of those, like, how do you rate someone who is just elite at exactly what she is compared mm-hmm. to someone who's elite at exactly what they're doing. And so I put her 14th or whatever I put her at. I feel good about it. Yeah. You put her 13th MJ, you put her 14th though. How do you feel about Allie quickly? I, I love quickly. She's like, I'm, I'm going to go out on the limb and say, she's the best facilitating point guard in the WNBA. I, I think where you're talking about somebody completely different. Am I? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no. You're thinking, you're thinking of Courtney Vandersloot. You're thinking of her Am wife. I thinking of Slew? Uh, yeah. Is, is that Sloot's wife? We're talking about Vander Sloot's wife. Okay, well, yeah. Okay, well, yeah. I like Quigley. <laughs> I got right, the yeah. stuff for real. No, I, to- I agree with you, Becky. She is fantastic. She scores a lot more than y- you think she does She in points per 75. She's actually 18, which you don't tend to think of her as a volume scorer, but she, she per 
per uh, possession. She really does score quite a bit. 29th in true shooting, 96th percentile in offense last this past season. Career near 40% three-point shooting and 88%. So there's your 50, 40, 90. Just on a career basis, she's like pretty close to it. The offensive rating for, for Chicago jumped 13.3 points per 100 possessions this past season when she was on the floor. So when you look at that, the, the, that early season malaise, people point to Candace. I think it was more about Allie Quigley. She is irreplaceable when she, she doesn't play. They don't have anybody who can do what she does. No, no other team really does. They, they have some people who, are, who come close, but nobody does what she does. Off-ball movement and the, the quickness of her shot, her ability to shoot off a screen like right away. The off-ball movement, moving around, everybody having to chase, somebody having to chase her. And it just creates so much space in the middle, even when she doesn't ever get the ball in her hands. Just her, just having to chase her around occupies the defense so much. Uh, she's not really a shot creator, but she is a smart player. She makes good passes when she does get the ball. Heads up. I disagree with that. Well, she's not I, I like a pick and roll is... type of player. Oh, okay. Well, no, she's not pick and roll, but she's yeah. definitely a shot creator because they... She she can act like she's about to shoot and like up fake or head fake and they're mm-hmm. they don't know what to do with themselves. Right, right, right. Yeah, I'm just but like I'm just saying in terms of like she's not gonna get in the pick and roll and then like oh, create nah. create shots for the the entire that's not really she's not a point guard. No, nah. but she is somebody who just operates really well from the perimeter. She makes the right pass. Defense is kind of the same way. It's, it's she's just a smart player. She's a me, you know, not very quick laterally. She's kind of the one you other teams tend to target a little bit when she's out on the floor. But if they're, you know, she's when she's doing help defense, coming on along the weak side and bothering players, that kind of thing. Very, very active, very, very smart. The only reason I have her all the way down at 23 is her minutes mm-hmm. dropped. Her minutes dropped oh. to 24.4 per game. She's 36 years old. She's they're clearly like spending less time on, you know, on doing load management with her and wanting to make sure that she's going to be healthy all around. So I well, just, but did you watch it? I, her minutes dropped, but I think her minutes increased over the season. You, you could be right about that. And that because might, because they just started be... her coming off the bench and then she okay. was just playing so well, that they couldn't do that. And so, and she got injured mid season. So I think they started her off the bench and her minutes slowly increased. So I'm not sure. They probably so, are going to load manage her still during the yeah. season because why not? And she is older, but she also has a game that doesn't really regress with age that much. Yeah, like I was going to say shot, that. Like, yeah. Her shot makes the ball look like it's the lightest thing ever. Like, it's just like there's no effort. It's like... Now, here you go. I'm doing, the, I'm doing the little motion in my house. Right. Like, it's like she's just like, throwing Skittles in the air. It's just like so soft and delicate. And she does her little like Euro step into the paint and does like the softest floater you've ever seen in your life. And just like listeners, oh, please try please try to imagine Becky <laughs> firing Skittles into the air while you listen yeah. to this portion. Yeah. I guess I'd like the age thing I'm less concerned well, about with her as compared to other players because I mean, obviously there's just like you know, wear and tear, but it's not like her game relies on her being the most physically agile person on the court. That's fair. And as we are discussing these, she is the kind of the one that as I'm talking about it, I'm going, you know what? I ranked her too low. So I, I think I would put her like up at a yeah, lawyer, like, boom, l- like right above Kalia Copper. Anyway, moving on to number 15. Number 15 on our list is Arike Agunbowale. And I think we have 
Oh, you know, you know who actually ranked her higher than anybody else. This is kind of a little bit of a surprise. Becky, you had her ranked fifteenth, uh, and MJ, MJ, and I had her ranked seventeenth. So you oh. get to talk about Arike first. I mean, we we're all in the same range. It was hard for me to figure out what to do with Arike because. Mm-hmm. Like bringing up my question, my big question for the Wings two weeks ago is, is Arike going to be able to be the star of a championship team? I think that's an open question with her style of play. Yep. But then, you know, it's not a super efficient game, but there's some amount of like a player who's putting up that many points, who's who's controlling the ball, who gets that many clutch shots, who even if she has really down games like she had this past weekend. You're still terrified to face her in crunch time because of what she can do. I found I found her a difficult player to rank for that reason, because sometimes you're just like, it feels like she stinks. And sometimes it feels like she's the greatest player in the world. And <laughs> where does that leave her? <laughs> it's somewhere in the no, middle. She, she right. She right. <laughs> right. Because it's uh, like she, she explodes like a bomb, but then... The blast radius she needs to reach, she just doesn't get exactly right there. If you know what I mean. Like she can go off, but she can't finish. So I know I know exactly what you mean. I watch too much Dallas. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, the the thing it she does things that drive you crazy. The shot selection, the choices that she makes, it just it's it's maddening. She is Obviously, a extremely high volume shooter. She's third in points per possession. What is it? Thirty seventh in assists, seventy second in true shooting percentage, which is is very very low. It's kind of mediocre for her. Third in usage overall offense. The past two seasons has been pretty good, and I kind of looked into why this was. She's at seventy one percent in twenty twenty, sixty nine percent in twenty twenty one, and her three point shooting for career is actually pretty good. Surprising, it surprised me when I looked it up. Is she's at thirty five point seven percent from three uh, given the, the the nature and the volume of the shots she takes that's that's actually pretty impressive last season she shot under 40 percent on two pointers i don't think that that I, I think that's kind of an outlier season for her i don't think she, i don't expect her to shoot that badly on twos but she she was efficient anyway because she relied more on her three more she, she shot a higher percentage of threes than she she normally has and the other thing that she does that I wasn't really clued into is that she has an elite turnover rate for somebody who handles the ball as much as she does. Since she came into the league, she has the eighth best turnover rate of of all the players, which really, really surprised me. And so I I started watching a little footage and I kind of figured it out is that she's her dribble is is really it's really hard to take the ball off of her when she dribbles. She has like a low compact dribble, keeps it close to the ground. And then when she was passing in early her her the previous two seasons mostly, she did she didn't really do, you know, try to thread the needle a lot. She made passes that she could make. And it was kind of, that kind of limits her as, you know, a ball handler who you're trying to get to generate offense and and find people for like shots at the rim, open threes, that kind of thing. But it kept her turnovers low. So her efficiency is actually pretty good. Her pick and roll efficiency in t- last year was 71%. That really, really surprised me. She did take more chances last year and tried to kind of make those passes that that get you really good shots, but come with a little bit more risk. She wasn't too bad at it. So she is 
she's not as inefficient as we think she is. She's actually pretty decent. I think her usage is still way too high. This The ball needs to move around a little bit more and it tends to get stuck. But it's a more forgivable on Dallas because they don't have anyone else that has that ability for creation. Marina is is getting there, kind of there. Not really good at it, though. Not not uh, She's just using a lot of possessions. Her efficiency is not that great yet. So I don't expect that to change. The, the biggest argument I had for Chelsea Gray was all of the players that I kind of was going up and down the list when I was looking at this. And I go, you know who would be really great playing alongside her? Chelsea Gray. <laughs> Chelsea Gray would be perfect playing alongside Arike. That would she would be handling most of the ball, and then Arike could move to a secondary ball handler position and work more off ball. She's got a great shot. That's what she should be doing. She should be playing more off ball, moving around, getting open shots, and letting somebody else dribble and and generate offense. And then if they're if they're being guarded too closely or they have too good a defender, then she can go into a secondary role. Tira McCowan, when I when I thought about Tira McCowan on this team. I kind of thought that this is like, it might be really good in terms of limiting what Arike does poorly. Those missed shots will be miss, will mean less if Tier is there to pick up the offensive rebounds. Having somebody at least big behind her, you know, a defensive presence of sorts, even if it's not the best one, will, will probably help with the other thing she's bad at, which is her defense which is honestly, it's atrocious. It's inexcusable for somebody with her athleticism. She should not be as bad a defender as she as she was. Vicky made mention of wanting her to focus on defense. And, you know, I watched that game. She was not focusing. <laughs> she was not focusing on defense. So, yeah, it's frustrating with her because I think a lot of the defense is like it's the, that's ever. the worst part. It's yeah. like you'll see her just like not really try to get back in transition or or, or barely move for it. And it's like. She could do it a lot if she were just focusing in on my player comp for her as I always, I kind of relate her to James Harden where sometimes you just see defense sure. where they're just kind of standing there and you're like, okay. Yeah. <laughs> I know you're a good athlete. Go defend. <laughs> right. Right. Trey Young is another one who kind of came to mind to me a little bit like in that regard. Yeah. The other, the, the, the potential negative is Tierra McCowan will sit there in, in the lane and draw internal defenders and that will make somehow make Arike even less efficient. I don't know. We're going to have to see how that goes. Yeah, maddening player. Uh, she is so gifted that you really kind of want her to be able to channel that and lose it. But I'm, lose, I'm losing faith in her her willingness to do that, to change her game. And she already got the big, big uh, Supermax contract. So she, she really has no incentive, financial incentive at least, to change her game to any degree. So I hope that she doesn't, you know, just be a player who, who who never really, you know, never really improves, never really evolves into something else. Number 14. I love this. I love this selection here. Bring up who voted for whom and whatnot is Kelsey Plum. Surprisingly, I was not the highest on her. It was actually you, Becky. You had her at... Really? Is it statistically possible that I'm highest on all of the players? I don't understand. (laughs) I think so. (laughs) I think you just ranked everybody just slightly ahead of me and then decided to dump Emma at the bottom. Uh, Yeah, yeah, I guess that's what happened. I just moved Emma to the bottom and everyone else. (laughs) Everybody else moved up one. So yeah, Kelsey, you had her ranked 13th. Uh, I had her ranked 15th. MJ, 
who's listed as evil had her ranked all the way down at 22nd. 20, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, he said I, my list is evil. <laughs> <laughs> I have a defense of my high Kelsey Plum ranking, and it is. I I don't think it's high at all. I think you're just. I fine. don't either. <laughs> but go I on. I think I think mine's is too low. Yeah, I I think partly it's a you know we're looking forward for this player. She had yeah. absolutely great last season. I was terrified of her. I was terrified of her in 2019, but even more so last year. And I think she's only going to get better. I mean, I don't know. Whatever. I'm buying into some of the kind of off season hype about how her how her games improved. And I think Becky Hammond could be a really good coach for her. And we've already seen she's been inserted into the starting lineup. Becky is playing her best five players to start, which is a novel concept. (laughs) So I I have high hopes for Kelsey Plum. I wouldn't put her at this number last season, but I just kind of have high hopes that she's going to be, she's going to raise her game this season. I think she's a really good player. I have her as my, like her, she was kind of like my preseason before we know anything guess for most improved player. Well, she was so good last season. That, that's the only reason I don't have her listed as the most approved. I think everybody kind of knows that she's really good. But yeah, no, I I totally agree. She was the player that I moved up uh, a couple of spots. The only the only really real change that I made. And that was because I, I kind of looked at all of the guards and I said, you know what? I want Kelsey Plum to make all WNBA. So now she's the fourth, my fourth highest ranked guard on the list. I moved her ahead of Arike and and Ariel Atkins. And, you know, I think she deserves it anyway, uh, regardless. She is surprisingly, surprisingly high score per minute. She averaged 14.6 points per game, 3.6 assists, 38, 8.6% from three, 57.4 true shooting, all really good numbers in only 25 minutes per game last season. She is 11th in point per points per possession, 25th in assists, uh, true shooting the past two years, 22nd, usage 18th. She is a high volume scorer and distributor. Her career shooting is 38.7 or three point shooting 38.7%. That's I think that's just basically mostly gone up as she's gone along. Overall offense, offense in 2021, 93rd percentile. She's extremely efficient. Her game has not gone down in the playoffs. Both years, 2019, 2021, it went up. In 2021, she averaged 19.6 points per game on 615 true shooting percentage. As much as the the aces kind of flamed out in the semifinals, it was not on her. She was amazing. She was fantastic. Uh, She is great at creating her own shot out of pick and roll or, or however you want. If there's an improvement that she can make, it's her passing, distributing to others in those same situations. It's that's kind of something that has gone become secondary as she's gone along. She looks to shoot for herself. She's a very, very tenacious defender. She is uh, pretty, pretty strong out on the perimeter for her size and frame. That was has been ever since 2019. She's been a really, really tenacious defender. She is super, super, super competitive. She's come out to destroy everyone this year to the, to the point where I even think she played maybe a little bit of hero ball in that first game. But I think she wants to be great. I think she wants to put up the numbers to show everybody that she's great. She's on a mission. And that's kind of what everybody has said in camp is like, oh yeah, Kelsey is out for blood this year. She wants to, she wants to be the one that was also kind of played a little bit into my Chelsea gray (laughs) 
evaluation is I, I think that Chelsea Kelsey is going to try just going to be taking over and she's going to be handling the ball a lot more minutes are going to increase she is starting now she's going to be up to like 30 32 minutes a game out, up from 26 she's her usage uh, as much as she's going to be handling the ball and everything is is also going to go, go up she's going to be the ace's second best player behind Asia and and she's going to play like it she's going to be phenomenal so let's go Kelsey Plum. I, I all-star I'm booking all-star. That's not even a consideration for me. She's going to make the all-star team. I want her to make an all WNBA team. And that's why I ranked her where I did. And I think that she can do it. MJ, you got anything? I think she's important to <clears throat> everything that I've been saying about what I think the aces will be this season going forward as far as a playing small ball. So that's all. That's all I want to add. I don't want to be long-winded. Okay. All right. Moving up. Number 13 is who had the highest ranking? Oh, it was it was Becky again. How about that? <laughs> you're gonna get to take the lead. You're gonna get to take take the lead on a lot of these. You just better get used to it. I don't know what happened. I'm just I'm just high on everyone. <laughs> <laughs> high on life. All yeah. right. Um God, where did my list go? Who's next? Who do I have to defend? Uh, Alyssa Thomas. Let's go. Oh, yeah. I love Alyssa Thomas. See, I did not put in a whole bunch of stats in my notes. This is another one where, you know, she's coming back from an injury. She didn't play last year except for her game or two in the playoffs. But she was an incredible player in 2020. She's mm-hmm. just athletic. She can barrel through you. She was one of the people I was considering to get defensive player of the year, you know, in that consideration. Oh, it's, we've been recording for a couple hours, guys. So <laughs> I stand by that choice of whatever rank right. I gave Alyssa Thomas. <laughs> you know, it's going to be a long one. We'll just live with it. People will be into it and they'll, they'll view it in increments. And that's just the way it's going to go. Yeah. What do you, how, how do you feel about Alyssa, MJ? That was another case of, me not seeing a player because they were out, you know, because I didn't have her at all. I think you had to run her by me, too. And I'm like, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. But, yeah, yeah. that's that's really the only reason she didn't make my list is or initially she didn't until you mentioned her was just, you know, I'm not real high on players coming back from injuries until they prove it to me. I see. And. I mean, because it usually it takes a seat. I mean, well, it's kind of hard to it's kind of hard to determine depending on the injury. So depending on how she comes back, but she she did make the list. She's she is a good player, but I just want to see what she does first. That's why she initially didn't make it. But I did end up putting her on there because, yeah, my list is all over the place. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) Yeah, she is. uh fill another stat sheet filler 15.5 and then this is 2020 numbers because it was her complete season yeah and a half points a game nine rebounds 4.8 assists two steals and a career high of 75 percent free throw shooting her free throw shooting career is 62 percent because she has the that like push shot that she has to do because of her two torn labrums we don't know what she came back she has two torn labrums what she has two torn labrums What? what I never ah. heard this before. Yeah, she. As it turns out, she has two torn labrums. You say what? <laughs> <laughs> th- that, those will always be with her. Alyssa Thomas and her two torn labrums. Five forty nine true shooting percentage. She she fills it up. She is an outstanding scorer. 
who doesn't require much space to be effective. She just can, like, like uh, you said, Becky, she just goes through people and gets to the rim. She gets fouled a lot, goes to the line a lot, doesn't make a lot of her free throws, which kind of hurts a little bit, hurts her efficiency. Practically everything else, everything except shot blocking, which again, usually requires working labrums to do effectively. Aside from that, she can do everything else. She's a tremendous rebounder. She's a great passer, a super duper interior passer. She can defend anywhere on the floor, except for the big centers, like the, the Brittany Griners, et cetera, et cetera, of the world. She, she doesn't do so well against them, but anywhere, anywhere else, or or the taller shooters like Asia, taller power forwards like Asia and Elena, they can shoot right over her. So she has a problem with those, but any other player is, she can guard them. She can guard you from point guard to power forward. She gets a lot of steals, gets a lot of, generates a lot of turnovers, just yeah, just a fantastic, it's like really unorthodox player. She can't shoot from three at all, doesn't bother to try, but she she doesn't seem to need to. She just she just can barrel in and basically do what she wants. Terrific player. Well ranked. I like this ranking for her. We'll move on up. And next up is Tina Charles. And for once, it's not Becky who gets to discuss her. First, it is going to be MJ who had her all the way up at sixth because MJ likes the bigs. Well, uh, you know how I am. I love all the front court players, and you—I don't know where. Where is where do you guys got her ranked? Let me ask that question first. I had her ranked at 14th, and Jeez. Becky had her, her ranked at 18th. Why so low? I had her ranked mostly based on defense because she's going to be uh, playing uh, center. With I'm assuming Brittany is is not going to come back or if she does she's not going to play very much or you know very many games so it's going to be a lot of tina playing center and tina playing center is going to be a defensive liability i think on most nights scoring wise i think she's going to do fine i she's she had an all like a top 10 usage last year i don't think she's going to do that again there's there's other scores uh, on this team skylar is going to eat up a lot of possessions etc cetera, etc cetera. but i do think that her volume is going to be very high anyway with Brittany out and i think her efficiency is going to probably be is pretty good which is what it's been she's going to do she apparently is still kind of embracing the, the the newly found three-point shot. She, she had like five five attempts a game last year, and she shot really well, 365, but that is not what she normally shoots. She's she's down like at 32%, but uh, she she was launching it in that Aces game. I, as a as somebody was who is an Aces fan, I was perfectly fine with Tina settling for <laughs> three-point shots. Shoot it, shoot it all day long from there. Yeah, because she... she is almost an automatic bucket in the paint exactly right that's that's her game she's yeah. very very solid doing post-ups pick and roll skylar is through everybody are gonna, too are gonna feast in pick and roll with her but that's just it is just that as good as she is offensively she doesn't really create necessarily for anybody else either she just kind of does the big man thing she does it very well yeah. and that's enough to put her as high as i did i think but defensively that she's in such a prominent position i, I think that's going to be a weakness that's going to shine out and that's why i limited it limited her down as far as okay so if she was on another team would you have her that low or is it if, just if because Brittany she's... was there yeah. If Brittany was there and, you know, I, I don't know how they necessarily make it work offensively. I think that was a, the question that yeah, everybody that had in the preseason. Down. But then that, that takes away at least one thing, one weakness for her is that she's not relied on for rim protection. Okay. Understood. Understood. Okay. Becky, you got any words? 
I, I'm kind of realizing as we're talking through the rankings that I'll, a lot of the way I'm looking at the players is how good were they on their team and then how good was the team. So yeah. Tina Charles always feels like individually she puts up great seasons, but it's not able to bring her team along. The Mystics, she was the best player in the Mystics, had a really great season last year. And then the Mystics were really bad. She was kind of languishing on the Liberty for a while. And, you know, it's kind of a balance of how much do you hold it against a player that the rest of the team is bad. But for me, it it hindered me from putting her higher that she wasn't able to or hasn't recently been able to elevate her teams the way I w- you want other top 25 players to do. Yeah, okay. that's that's a really good way of phrasing it. Yeah, it is. I can, I can ride with that one because okay. that's how I usually look at everything. But I didn't know the way do that with this list. I just know <laughs> she can she can score with the best of them. Like you cannot stop her downhill and at the rim. It's like all nearly impossible. She can score through like three people. So. Yep. Yeah, I no, she is. She, and she's I think she's going to be like an offensive diamond dynamo, but it's just kind of that one that doesn't really it's like limiting in terms of like the, how it affects the whole team. And then the defense is going to be a problem. Yeah. So. All right. Uh, moving on up. We got uh, number 11 is Liz Cam Beige. And this is, again, MJ, a fan of the, the big girls, big Ben's. Big, big body, big bends, baby. Big body, big buttons, baby. <laughs> Even though it was in a negative light, we <laughs> her saying that, but it's just funny. It's still funny to me. All right, you had her ranked at eighth overall. I had her ranked at twelfth, and her biggest fan, <laughs> Becky. <laughs> Becky had her ranked at sixteenth. <laughs> oh, okay. All right, so I'm go ahead. She got her higher than me. No, no, she did not. <laughs> Absolutely not. You want me to go in or Becky? Yeah, go for it. You you had the high ranking, so go well. For it. I have her ranked that high because I know I've seen what she's capable of. And I, you know, like I know I've like I've heard from you over the last few weeks, just it's like a little bit of a hesitation to have certain expectations of her because she's getting older and because she looked a certain way last year. But I feel like it was just the Aces offense at that time. Like they had did so much without her that it it she just didn't fit in on the offense. And, you know, I just think she'll fit uh, in L.A. And she right. has been. She's been showing up these these little few games that they've played. So hopefully she could keep that up. And yeah, her second game was great. Yeah, uh, it was. Against Indiana. And, yeah. and so if she keeps that up and, you know, all of the stuff is good, like they're saying, like, oh, yeah, I was what what was just came out today. Like I was introduced to what she said. Was it Derek Fisher or whoever, whoever uh, <laughs> she's talking about? She cool with over there. Like, yeah, OK, you know, we know you probably trying to to make peace with some people and make it seem like you're not a problem everywhere you go that's fine but you ain't gotta put Derek fisher in that way you know, <laughs> we really know about him we know about I, him so okay he knows what he did yeah, he knows what he did <laughs> but yeah so I'm, I'm real high on her i expect her to be a staple for that team actually all right. What do you got, Becky? I would like to start my statement by reading a tweet that made me laugh very, very hard this weekend. James Boyd, who is a yes. um, <laughs> said Liz Cambage just came back to the L.A. Sparks bench and asked, is this high alt- altitude? This shit feels like high altitude. <laughs> James comments, fam, we're in Indiana. <laughs> <laughs> 
that really, that really got me. But I actually, I, I chatted you snap. Cause I was like, is this always been the case? Could Liz only play three minutes at a time? Pretty much. Like what she was doing. And there's some amount of, she's, she can be so dominant. Like sometimes she makes the game of basketball look so easy. Like they give it to her in the paint. And it's just, just like, excuse me. And gets the ball in, but she can only do that in like three minute spurts, which I think hampers her effectiveness in some ways and so that dinged it for me and sometimes I feel like she's sometimes inconsistent and that like she'll disappear a little bit and it's like I don't even know how a 6'9 person disappears but she'll feel like she's not she's not making a huge impact so those were the things that put her lower on the list I so think yeah like talent level like just pure talent she would be higher up on the list but the reality of what you see on the court put her a little lower yeah, no, you were uh, all points stipulated. You are right. Uh, 100% is that she, what is she now? Her her minutes have gone from 25.2 in 2019. Uh, she missed 2020, obviously the wobble season, and then 23.8 uh, last year. So her body's not holding up. Doesn't seem, does not seem to be holding up very well. She was able to up her minutes in the 2019 playoffs. Wasn't able to do it last year, but she was also recovering from COVID. And Bill actually praised her, her effort in, in trying to get out there and and do what she could in the playoffs. 23.8 minutes per game. She averaged 14.2 points. You can do the math there. It's very, very good. 8.2 rebounds, 1.6 blocks, 589 true shooting percentage, ninth in points per possession, second in defensive rebounds, second in blocks, 16th in true shooting, 11th in usage. She is, uh, overall offense was 95th percentile. She's that, that kind of says it all right there, is that she is very, very... Dominant, very, very efficient, all basically thanks to her size advantage and the coordination that she has at that size. If you get her in a position to shoot right away, it's fantastic on offense. When that doesn't happen and she kind of has to move or maneuver and, or think about it or whatever, that's where the problems start. And she she gets her shot blocked probably more than any 6'9 player you could imagine. It's just she's very, very slow to react. But if she's in a position to shoot and you get it to her right away, then that's great. The That's not why I put her at where I did. The, she is a very, very good offensive player. It's the defense. The de- she Even when she's, you know, disappearing offensively, as you say, and it is a roller coaster, she goes from dominant to what's going on. Her defense is always great. Uh, and it's, it's basically, it's, she looks kind of a lot like a baby deer out there sometimes, the way she moves around. But her positioning is fantastic just as a deterrent against people trying to attempting to drive the lane and score inside uh, is she's obviously like like Brittany, like Sylvia It's just people don't try it. And that in itself is winds up being a great thing. There are some concerns I have for her in L.A. is number one, she isn't a pick and roll player. She, it's just not her game. She's a post-up player. She doesn't do a lot of pick and roll. So that kind of is weird with when you have Kennedy Carter out there, who is like all pick and roll all the time, basically. The other is that there is a severe lack of spacing in LA. So she's going to get crowded even more than she has in recent years. But beyond that, yeah, even at 20 minutes a game, whatever, 20, 22, 23, I think that she is is at least worth a lower max. She wasn't worth a super max if she can only play that much. And that's why the Aces decided not to to pay it. But she's still really, really good. If she can get to the point where she can get to the playoffs and increase her minutes, hopefully, then she's going to be 
terrific for them. As a 20-minute player, having her ranked where I did, which I think was around 14th, just kind of says how much I think about her impact on the floor. Moving on to number 10, her teammate, Neneka Agumike. I think this is mine. I think I'm the one who had her the highest at ninth. Oh no, me and MJ, but I haven't gotten to go first in a while. So I'll go first on this one. NECA is is just awesome. She's amazing. The numbers are pretty, kind of speak for themselves. Ninth in points per 75, second defensive rebounds, second in blocks, 16th in true shooting, 11th in usage, 95th percentile in overall offense. She is the most, one of the most efficient players in the league, like probably in the top three in terms of just overall efficiency. And the reason for that is that her shooting inside is just incredibly efficient. She does, she takes really, really good shots and she does it while uh, maintaining a high volume. She can also shoot threes and she should probably shoot more of them, especially with Liz in the lineup because she's a pretty good three point shooter or at least decent, I would say. And she does her, her defense is fantastic. She is one of those players when, you know, when we talk about stretch bigs and all that, who's going to go out and guard them? Well, she is one of the the players who can go out and, and guard. She's extremely versatile on offense. She can do just about anything. She spots up, posts up, operates as a role, uh, a role player, role woman, pick and roll. I don't know what to call it. Doing off-ball stuff, cuts, transition, offensive rebounds and putbacks, terrific passer out of the post, just so Remarkably efficient. I never worried about her fit with Liz or her fit with anybody because she can do everything. Uh, 96th percentile in 2020, 86th percentile last year, 36.5% from three. She's amazing. Just just one of the best. So the only reason I think that I, anyone would lower her is is potentially injury because she she did she had was out for quite a while last year and it cost her an all-star berth and it cost her a shot at the Olympic team. But if she's, if she plays, she's great. She's, she's one of the most efficient players in the league and she is, she's just really, really good. What you got Becky? I agree with you. I think she's, she was only a little lower on my list because I think last year was a little bit of a down year and a lot of that was due to the injury, but that's why I was a little hesitating to put her higher. Right. I think that's kind of the concern that a lot of people had because we looked at those other lists like ESPN did one and Swish Appeal did one and they all had her much lower than I think she should have been. I think she's a top 10 player, period. That's just that's just how I see it. What do you got, MJ? I just think, like you said, she's the most well-rounded and can adapt to any situation. Like, if anything, she's a big reason why Liz will fit in, you know. And, of course, I think she's the better of the sisters. Yeah, easy. Yeah, easy. And and don't think she actually gets the recognition, the recognition that she deserves, honestly. I don't hear, I don't hear about her often, mm-hmm. besides us having this discussion right now, really. Like, I don't. I don't really hear them say, oh, Nika Wumake, like, I don't hear that. Yeah, it seems like players who do, like, a lot of things well and not one thing super great kind of tend to be undervalued. I think that's true for Nafisa, too, as well. I think I have her ranked a lot higher than a lot of other people do. It's just because she's like a Swiss Army knife and she can do just about anything. Uh, that's that. That's what it is with Nineka. She does a lot of things super duper well, and it's not the flashy stuff. It's like getting a quarter getting of her shots at the rim, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and yeah, just getting inside and and getting super efficient shots, 
and, you know, being good on defense and all of these things, which are super important, but they're not the flashy, like super duper scoring numbers, super assist numbers, that kind of thing. All right. Somebody who does get super duper scoring numbers and super duper assist numbers is up next. Number nine on our list is Skylar Diggins-Smith. I have her ranked the highest, so I will start this off. The numbers are awesome. 17.7 points per game last year, 5.3 assists, 1.1 steals, 589 true shooting percentage. She is a beast at getting to the line. She was second, I think, in free throw attempts per or third in free throw attempts per possession, right behind Asia, and I can't remember who else. Her three-point shooting the last two years, 38% on 251 attempts. I do think it is a real increase in ability over her career numbers, which are much less than that. She has developed at some point during her pregnancy or thereafter or whenever in that period, uh, she developed this rainbow jumper, which is like comically goes (laughs) straight up and goes then head towards the basket and goes straight down through the basket. It is the most delightful thing. It is, it is literally a rainbow jumper. It just, it like feels like it goes straight up out of her hand. It works though. Whatever, whatever she's doing, it works. And that has really improved her offense because the lack of an outside shot was one of those areas where you're like, okay, you're going to play with Diana Taurasi. What are you going to do when she's giving you the ball? How are you going to play off, off of her? Mm-hmm. She solved that, which yeah. is terrific for her. 86th percentile in overall offense in 2020, 91st percentile in 2021. She is an offensive beast. Pick and roll in 2021 at 87th percentile. Scoring, distributing. Uh, I have a hot take. Uh, Becky's not going to like my hot take. I what think. A role. Uh, yeah, I think she is possibly the best offensive point guard in the game. Oh, that's just dumb, though. <laughs> oh. <laughs> who, who, who's your best? Uh... Well, she, uh, we know who her best is. We know who her best is. All right. Okay. We know who the be- who her best is, and it's fair. All right. I'm just saying we'll it's discuss her be- later because she, she is. She's appearing. She is appearing, she is <laughs> appearing <laughs> later on the list. <laughs> I That's ranked her though. I did rank her below the player that we're talking about. Partially, well, I didn't really care so much about defense because I don't think. Well, in in her case, it might matter somewhat if there's nobody behind her to prevent, you know, everybody just launching themselves at the rim. That could be a real problem this season. With Brittany there, it's it's a little less of a problem, or at least Brittany the way she played last season. You got to think, like, if you look at Phoenix, and they were like seventh in defensive efficiency, and that is a large, largely in part because their guards were just like turnstiles. So it does kind of matter. We'll see how Diamond helps out in that area. I just, I think that it's possible. I think it's potential because... She is more of a threat to bring it and score it herself by quite a factor over uh, player X who's coming up, who everybody knows who it is anyway. But in any case, super duper high efficiency. But the real reason that I kind of I, I ranked her below, aside from the defense, the playoffs. She has fallen off huge in the last two playoffs. And it is one of the reasons that we've brought up before. 6.2 free throw attempts per game went down to 2.8. Because people are just not letting, they're not, they're not given the same reaction. The refs are not given the same reaction when she drives to the hoop. And so those, those trips to the line become missed shots. And that's really killed her efficiency in the playoffs. And that's basically why I said, you know what? I, if this is a trend, then it's a really, really bad one. There are other reasons to rank a you-know-who ahead of her. But that was, that was uh, one of the big ones for me. 
So <laughs> Becky, you may have the floor and explain what it is about Skylar that does not put her on that level. Well, I mean, I put Skylar at what, 10? So yeah. it's not like it's a huge difference. I She had a really great season last season. She was one of the ones where I'm like, you're trying to pre- predict trajectories. Is she going to continue that? Is it going to fall off a little bit from where it was? She does have that rainbow three-point shot that does go in a lot, which is a little surprising. It is very uh, surprising. It still looks awkward as heck, but you know yeah. what? I'm not going to argue with 251 attempts. All right, You've got something if you're making yeah. it at that play. And she's obviously explosive going to the rim. She's got a little bit of Dewana Bonner syndrome in that she's like expecting to get the foul and can maybe spend more energy than is necessary on getting the foul and then trying to discuss whether or not it was a foul, which can hold back her play. And as you mentioned, you know, that sort of strategy might work okay in the regular season, but it works doesn't work as well in the playoffs. So I don't know. I had her number 10. So like she was just moved slightly down for those. Okay. Well, we'll, we'll, we'll bring it up. We'll bring it up on the next player. What makes that player the absolute best offensive player? What do you, what do you think about Skylar MJ? As far as Skylar, I just feel like um, I think she got unlocked when DT when she got with DT, she got unlocked a little bit more like she was put into a place where she could be more efficient in doing the thing. Basically, she was a before. Or, well, I won't go that far, like she wasn't out of control, but she was like a with a little bit more control and then got that guard that really slotted her like. Put her in a role where she can just really excel at being the best at what she does. Mm-hmm. So, you know, especially when she got away from the wings. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, that's where I'm at with Skylar. <laughs> kind of bummed me out that like after after she left is like then they had a team that would have worked really well with her running things. Like the wings have a lot of players that are that are good shooters and finishers and whatnot. And then if they had like a proper some, a distributor like Skyler, playmaker like her. Could have been a lot better. Okay, moving on up to number eight. Uh, number eight is, I I like to see that we're, we're all optimistic about how much she's going to play. It's Alanda Deladon. And the one who had her ranked the highest on our list was Becky at number five. Of course. I... You know, who knows how her back is going to hold up. It seems like they've got kind of a plan in terms of taking some travel days off to allow it to hold up. But listen, if it's 2019 Deladon, that was one of the most dominant MVP seasons of all time. She was just an out-of-this-world player. So, and she's, you know, she's got that injury, but she's not that old. I don't know. I think she could... She's just one of the best, and hopefully she'll be able to play up to her, up to that ability. We can't, you know, predicting a player's health is very difficult. So that's true, right? It is. This so is basically boils just, down to optimism. Yeah, and I'm I'm feeling hopeful just because I like Deladon, and I would love to, like even just seeing her play this weekend, the one game she had an out of this world game, and I was just like, yes, it's like beautiful to watch her on the court again. I just love her game. I love watching her play. So I'm optimistic. She'll, they have a plan. They're ready to allow her to be that player again for maybe not 36 games, maybe 28. Okay. What do you got, MJ? Well, she's one of my front core people, of course. 
But I got her ranked low because she just coming back from so many injuries. But when she is playing at her best, mm-hmm. ooh wee, that's that should damn near be a championship, honestly, on her back. No pun intended. <laughs> <laughs> it, I mean, it, it it very well can be like after she showed me how much grit she had and won out that year and and withstood it. Like if she's a hundred percent, yeah, good luck with that. Uh, yeah. One of the best shooters in the game, especially the best shooting big, probably no question about that. Career three-point percentage of 39%, a career free throw percentage of 94%, which is nuts. That 2019 season, a first in points per possession, 12th in free throw attempts, 5th in defensive rebounds, 11th in total rebounds, 18th in blocks, a second best turnover ratio, and first in true shooting. Just a monster, monster, monster year. She yeah, we is forgot a- to mention she was 50-40-90, the only WNBA. Yeah, 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 right. The 50-40-90, the overall offense, 99th percentile. She's elite at everything. Spot-ups, post-ups, transition, isolation, roll man, cuts, off-screens, putbacks, pick-and-roll ball handling, all over one point per possession that year on everything, which is amazing. Her gravity is tremendous. She She opens up the floor for everybody else. If she's playing, she is just an offensive powerhouse, and that reflects on all of her teammates. On top of that, she's actually a really good defender. Surprisingly good is is one of the things that I kind of discovered when I was looking at, at the game footage for her. Her positioning is fantastic. She moves her feet well. She uses her length well, just really super smart, knows what to do with her body, knows how to disrupt shots without fouling, uh, surprisingly good rim protector. All of that, both ends of the floor. She's fantastic. Obviously, offensively is where it really, really, really shines. She's great. This is why we want her to play <laughs> so much. This is why I would sacrifice small animals I don't know to to cure her cure her back issue and and the Lyme what disease. What sort of rituals are you performing over there? You know what? I don't. We don't need to go into that. We don't need to go into that. All right. Okay. I'm just saying. Uh, I really want Elena Deladon to to be healthy. I'm a little worried. The the like I said, it just comes down to how confident are you. I think I had her at like around tenth or thereabouts. I'm not even gonna bother to look it up. How much she'll play is the load management thing. When they started announcing it from the outset, kind of worries me a bit. I kind of assumed she'd play around sixty percent of the regular season games or so. I still have her close to tenth or eleventh. I think in. What did I have her at? I had her at 10th overall in, in play. Obviously, she's a lot better than that if she plays a full season or something approaching it. But even 10th at 60% of the games, yeah, I, I will I will sign on that. And having her available for the playoffs is the big thing. Her Having her and Alicia, Alicia Clark available makes Washington that team that you just don't want to face because that could be amazing. We all know EDD. She's fantastic. All right. Number seven is um, a player who I have disparaged by suggesting somebody else might be an offensive, better offensive point guard than Courtney Vandersloot. We both actually have her tied ranked at sixth, but uh, since she's Chicago, I'm going to let you go first. I put in my notes, I think in like 10 years, we'll look back and be shocked at how few accolades Courtney Vandersloot got. Because I think she's going to be remembered as one of the greatest point guards to do it. Yeah. Just her assist numbers are unparalleled. She is beating her own records year over year. Only player to average 10 assists per game. Only player to get a double-double assists and points average for a season. Averaging a double-double is a very rare thing to do. 
Some mm-hmm. seasons, no, no one does it. Some seasons, a couple players do it, usually with rebounds or only with rebounds, unless you're Courtney Vandersloot. She just has absolutely elite court vision and the athleticism to pull it off. The ding on her would be that she's turnover prone. Mm-hmm. If you're going to be an elite passer, it's going to come with some turnovers. And I think you kind of see how that happens when you watch last season, right? Like she started the season with a whole bunch of turnovers. It's because she had less talent around her at the beginning and talent she was less familiar with. So over the season, the turnovers go down because a lot of her passes are knowing exactly where her players are going to be and getting it there, like as they're getting there and getting that encore chemistry to do that. And you saw that displayed fully in the playoffs this year where she put up absolutely insane numbers got a triple double in the playoffs almost got a triple double in finals game four she was like a lot of people were arguing she could have been finals mvp yeah definitely. i'm not gonna argue either way <laughs> but she had it like she had an out of this world playoffs and it showed that was her displaying her top ability when she's locked in with a team with that chemistry ready. I do think she's just a player that you're going to look back and be like, she only made how many all-star teams? She was only all WNBA how many times? Because of how consistent she's been for the last number of years and her top star talent. Okay. MJ, this is the the player you thought Allie Quigley was. (laughs) What do you think about uh, Courtney Vandersloot? Oh, the greatest point guard in the game? (laughs) <laughs> exactly okay, yeah, she's, yeah I, I got her mixed up with Allie Quigley earlier sorry Chicago fans sorry Becky yeah she's the she's her vision is crazy like some of the passes that she makes I, you put her with any, her having Candace now Emma and yeah yeah that she's she elevates everybody on that team point blank period if she's not there they don't win nothing Moving on to number six, we got Jewel Lloyd. I think I may have the, yes, I I ranked her higher than anybody else. I had her fifth on my list. You both had her seventh. So basically in the same neighborhood, 17.9 points per game last year, four rebounds, 3.8 assists, 1.5 steals, 544 true shooting percentage. Overall offense, 82nd percentile in 2020, 77th in 2021. Jewel Lloyd is, for my money, she's the best perimeter player out there. She is a high usage shot creator. She's increasingly taking over the offense in Seattle away from Sue Bird. Solid on-ball skills. She, uh, her, her facilitating pick and roll ability. It's pretty good. It's not the best part of her game, but it is, it is completely decent. Off-ball skills are tremendous. She, she operates away from the ball and can take threes. 35% career on three-point shooting. And then of, you know, all of the great offensive perimeter players, she is by far the best defender out of all of them. Just a terrific wing defender. She's proven it in the playoffs. She doesn't, her, her ability doesn't dip. And she has been a big part of two championships now. There's not really a lot to say. Jill Lloyd is, is phenomenal. She is one of, one of the few perimeter players who definitely deserves a super max contract. And that's what I got to say about her. Becky, how do you feel about Jewel Lloyd? Yeah, I mean, I echo what you say. I think she's the best in the league at her position, and that's where she's ranked. So yep. 
every every team would love a jewel lloyd i would love a jewel lloyd i was hopeful <laughs> for a jewel lloyd chicago and just like amassing all the Chicagoans, but maybe next year. Number five, and MJ, this one's going to be yours to start with because you had her ranked second overall. Uh-oh. And this is Candace. Hey. hey. Skytown? Skytown. Um, tell, tell us why. Well, of course, it's Candace Parker. She came to Chicago. I won't say right at the ship, but pointed them in the right direction. Brought a championship experience pedigree just know how to the game actually like a pace defense i think she might have also had a hand in unlocking casey some more as well i don't know she's just a leader a leader on the floor i don't know i have i could say so much about candace i can go on and on and on but i just think she brings literally everything like all the intangibles especially to that team and that's why i have to have her up that high like you can send her this is just in fantasy world. You can send her to like maybe any team and I'm sure you would expect results. Like that's, that's the type of impact she has to me. For sure. Becky. Yeah, I agree. She's like a complete all around player who she's an incredible passer. She's an incredible shooter. She's a great rebounder. She's a great defender. She's great in transition. She can throw you those football passes and then brings those intangibles, which are a little hard to rate, like ranking the intangibles, but watching it on a team that I've followed very closely, Kalia Copper has credited Candace Parker for helping her take that next step. And Candace, like, seeing her and saying, I know you can be this elite player. I know you can do it and pushing her to get there. Now, how much of it is that, how much of that is Parker and how much is just Copper getting to the next level, the level, but so many players on the team have credited her with that leadership as well on the court. She's always talking on the court, always huddling it up, always getting people centered. The players talked a lot about it, her in the finals being kind of crucial in those huddles and getting them right. You know, how much do you rank that? I didn't rank it quite as high as MJ, but certainly her her numbers plus those intangibles put her at just, you know, kind of really the an elite, elite player. Yeah, she it really is her I think her offense is is not as as elite efficiently anymore. And that's that's primarily due to she like she has like a point guard's worth of turnovers. <laughs> She's she basically has point guard numbers in terms of turnovers. But that as a big her ability with dribbling, shooting, playing, being able to play from the perimeter and play from outside causes several problems for other teams that try to match up against her opens up space for everybody else. So even if even if you we we say she's, you know, good offensively and maybe not elite offensively to go along with her defense her defense is phenomenal she's fantastic rim rim protector who can go and chase those bigs outside and then in terms of the pick and roll i think she's the best pick and roll defender or either her or stewie are the best pick one of the best pick and roll defenders in the league she blows them up she doesn't commit fouls even at age 36 still just one of the best in the game and i didn't really even take into to consideration all of the 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 leadership thing and the way that she keeps people centered and just her ability to to keep everybody on track i think that does have value in in and of itself it's certainly absolutely a worthy player at number five number four we return to another veteran who has accolades for for years and years and years 
and that is Sylvia Fowles. Becky, you had her ranked second. What puts her that high for you? Oh, these last few were so hard. I guess I, I think it was to put it. Was, I put her over John Quell and Asia. Mm -hmm. I think for the defense. God, I don't know. How do you? <laughs> how do you? How do you parse these three players? They're all so good. Um, you don't have to. Just join the, the front court mob. <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm a part of the front court mob. I've learned what front court means. Team Biggs. Yes. Um, Join. Uh, and I just I love that was them. the door opening. Whoever just opened the door, walk right in. Front court mob. I've yeah. learned what front court means. That should be on a T-shirt. But yeah, numbers are are astounding for just 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 what she did in her last the last season. Sixteen points a game, ten point one rebounds, which was second in the league. Uh, 1.8 steals, second in the league. 1.8 blocks, second in the league. Who does that? A 667 true shooting percentage, which was first in the league. We've talked about what, like, what it is with Liz, right? There's just this efficiency from being so big and so coordinated up front. Sylvia is like maybe 95% of, of what Liz does, or maybe like 90% or whatever. But she does it at 30 minutes a game. And then on top of that, she is the best rim protector in the league. No question, bar none. Just keeps keeps other teams from even thinking about it. And that really, really limits what they can do offensively if they're they're not trying to attack. She can be pulled out a little bit from like uh, a lot of those bigs who have to venture out, and, and that does free up the the court. But the more I thought about it, I was I kept thinking I had her ranked fourth, which is where she wound up on our list, our our collaborative list. And I kept thinking, am I sure she's fourth? Is there somebody else? The three guards that we talk about, do I think that maybe they merit position? And then just the more I looked at it, the more that was crazy. She's in the top 10 in a lot of these per possession numbers that we've already talked about. Defensive rebounds, total rebounds, steals, blocks, true shooting, just 15th in points. So even, even if she's in, uh, you know, she scores quite a lot for what she does and it's all the typical big player offense you know the post-ups and and offensive putbacks and all that other stuff she just does it so well she does it at playing regular minutes not 20 minutes a game like liz 98th percentile on offense she's great the numbers support her definitely being as high as she is and then and now she's going into her final year just like one of the best all the way to the end and that's that's like pretty amazing you have to love sweet sill She's incredible. All right. Number three, John Quell Jones, who has it. I had her second, so I guess it's going to be me. 19.4 points per game, 11.2 rebounds, 2.8 assists, 1.3 steals, 1.3 blocks, 614 true shooting, all wonderful numbers. She was obviously the MVP. She played on the league's best team, was the best player on the league's best team. Not a whole lot to say about this. She can, she is an amazing defender. She's the best defensive rebounder in the game incredible defensive player who is gonna who should be in the defensive player of the year conversation i actually had her very close to sylvia in that regard just because she's she's so phenomenal on that end just plays really well against bigs can venture out a little bit block shots just the whole package offensively tremendous big offense and on top of that she can go out and she can shoot threes which just is unfair that's how I'm going to describe it. It's just basically unfair. That's why I had her second. That kind of distinguishes the, the ability to go out and stretch the floor, the an insane rebounding, 
just kind of put her over all but one player, obviously, and we will get to that. Becky, what do you feel about JJ? Oh, I agree with all of that. Um, front court mop. <laughs> front court mop. <laughs> and MJ, I'm assuming you're on the you're in line with the front court mob. Front court mob. Somebody open the door again. <laughs> open the door. <laughs> Come right on in. <laughs> yeah. All these players are are basically kind of they they're very probably not a lot differentiating them in in our minds not really because yeah. and that's what i mean by the the that's why the front court players are all so high up on my list because they are the stabilizers like you plug everything around them per se where i don't know the basketball has been a guards game but it's kind of going back to the front court yeah especially with players like Brittany griner and yeah, John Quill, Sylvia, who's been racking up awards, like you said, like they're snatching up all the awards. They're the ones that's providing the defense, but your last line of defense allowing you. What were we saying about Arike with um, yeah, McCowan over there? Like, yeah. yeah, you you got more that you have more flexibility on the floor when you have a good front court. So, and and that's the same thing that scares you about the Aces is their lack thereof outside of uh, Asia. So, what a great segue. Yeah. <laughs> to our number two player. Oh, no. Is, she's number two? She's number two. Oh, and ooh. you had her number one. Asia Wilson. Yes. Give me. So Asia, Asia Wilson. We'll, we're, we're gonna, we'll skip a, ahead a little bit here. She's she's going to be your choice for MVP, right? Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I can't think of nobody else that would be. I mean, unless Jewel just goes insane or... I, let me see who who MVP, MVP. All right, we'll get to that. Yeah, we'll to yeah. That. No, I, right. I think I could choose. I think I could go with that. All right. So so. All right. She cried on the court. You feel like she's on a mission. <laughs> <laughs> you seen the trend? <laughs> That's it. Aaliyah Boston <laughs> cried, and what happened? That you, you're absolutely right. I think Aja cried in the past, and <laughs> what happened? We don't know yet. We'll find out. <laughs> Didn't she cry in college too? I don't know. I actually I, don't know the, the answer to that. She dances a lot, so maybe that, yeah. that has something to do with it, too. It's a lot of tears. <laughs> Becky, how do you feel about Asia Wilson? So I realized she was not number one on my list, but I did predict her to be MVP. I, mm. I'm not sure that's consistent. That's, no, that's, that's, here we are. That makes sense. <laughs> <laughs> they don't always um, pick the right MVP, so that that's totally fine. Yeah, I, I guess it's not that, you know, sometimes MVP is is often the best player on the best team. And so even though I put a surprise Stewie at number one, um, sorry to spoil it, a snap. <laughs> I'm sure people were still trying to figure out who that was. I, I think the Aces will, might be a better team than the Storm this year. And I also think Asia's going to be a little unlocked this year playing without Cambage. When she played without Cambage last time, she got MVP. So I think it's going to be a year where she's going to really shine. Her on-off numbers are probably going to look great, given that they don't have um, that much for a backup front court. So, yeah, I forget what number I put her at, but you she's my prediction number, for MVP. You put her at number four. Okay. All right. Yeah, Asia course is my favorite player the it's it's easy to say why she ranks as high as she does just a scoring rebounding threat who is extremely good on defense probably doesn't get her due in terms of overall defense she has improved her game vastly over the years she's increased her, her ability to, to actually pass out of double teams and and 
find players, which really just unlocked a whole other level for her. She improved her free throw shooting, which is important for somebody who gets to the line as much as she does. The only quibbles on her game, the only reason I had her ranked fourth, or what did I have her third, behind Brianna and John Quell, I guess that's no spoiler, is just because of the lack of the outside game. She is reliant on either doing mid-range or getting getting to the the getting to the foul line for a lot of her offense. She has suffered as much as anybody in in that what we've talked about free throws drop in the playoffs and hers tend to drop as well as as much as anybody so that's kind of a limiting factor on her game other than that she's fantastic she seems to be improving in one thing or another every year i, I agree that it's it's probably going to improve her her efficiency a lot to not have liz in there i don't think the team is necessarily better because Liz was so impactful on defense, but for her personally, I think she is is going to be phenomenal. So that's basically where we are with that. And number one, no big surprise, Brianna Stewart, both Becky and I had her first. Mike MJ had her third behind Asia and Candace. Uh, I, I will just start and say, I think she is the best player on the planet. She does everything. She shoots outside. She plays outstanding defense she does rebounding the way she can score she has that herky jerky little back down move that she does on players where she hits them repeatedly tap 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 to get into whatever shooting position she wants shoots threes a good passer the works she does she does everything she is the most dangerous player she scares the crap out of me every time she gets the ball in a game where she's playing against the Aces. She killed us in, in the finals in 2020, and I still have nightmares about that. If you have Brianna Stewart on your team, you are automatically a contender. There's no reason to think that she's going to be injured or anything like that. She, you, we, I think Becky said it last week. You have even a half-decent team, competent players around her. You're a championship contender. Yeah, I mean, it's hard to uh, know exactly what to say. She's just... She plays really beautiful basketball. It's like a joy to watch her play. She she often does like really incredible plays, but often she makes it look so easy, which I think is a, the sign of a good player when somehow things look like they just come easy to her. Yeah, I yeah, like I said last week, if you have Brianna Stewart on your team, I think <laughs> you are de facto contending, and that's a sign of a very 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 good player. I agree. The best player. <laughs> She said de facto contending. De facto. This is she's, so she's the LeBron of the WNBA. <laughs> you can see the lawyer coming out because she's using Latin terms. Yeah, the longer we go on, the more tired I get. Just like lawyer speak. <laughs> All right. Out. Well, okay. We've, we're moving on from Weak Sauce, our top 25 players, to emptying the bench, which is our awards predictions. We'll kind of jet, jettison through these pretty quickly because we've already talked about the best players in the league quite a bit. I will... MJ, I'll let you start. Who? Okay, your MVP is Asia. Who do you think is going to win Rookie of the Year? <laughs> Rookie of the Year. I'm going to be biased and go... No, actually, I'm not going to be biased. I'm going to go Ryan Howard. All right. That's 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 a pretty good selection. A most improved? Most improved. I'm going to go Lexi Brown. Ooh. Along nice with pick. her being... Well, no, I'm not going to pick her a sixth, uh, sixth player of the year. Okay. I'm a, uh, Who's going? Who is that for sixth player of the year? Sixth player of the year. Sixth player of the year. I think I'm gonna go with Emma this okay. year because I think she will be like the glue to everything. 
like okay. super duper glue. It's already glued together. It doesn't really need glue, but she's going to be like that. What's that wooden? What's the wooden glue called? Whatever. You know what I mean? All right. We are we are venturing way into yeah. <laughs> crazy glue? times. Gorilla glue. There we go. <laughs> gorilla glue. Oh, my God. Yeah. We're talking about gorilla glue. All right. Thank yeah. you. MVP. <laughs> OK, I have two for most of them. I have what I chose and what I wanted in my heart. Five. So my MVP prediction is Asia Wilson in my heart. Sloot would finally get it. Okay. Um, propelled by her championship pedigree. For defensive player of the year, the heart and the prediction came together. And I just want Brittany Sykes to do it. Oh, uh, all right. She had like nine steals and like five blocks this weekend or something. She, she was, yeah, awesome. she went crazy. She's off to us. If you want, if you're looking at DPOY, she's off to a very, very good start. Rookie of the year. Um, rookie of the year, Ryan Howard. In my heart, Emily Engsler, because Aww. she's become the player of the pod. Most improved player, kind of similar to MJ. I just have a generic one of the athletes unlimited players will get it. Okay. Natasha Cloud, Dijanae Carrington, Tiana Hawkins, ah. Lexi Brown. Also in my heart, Dana Evans. <laughs> I hope she nice. remembers me during her speech. <laughs> Based uh, on that one game, she is the most improved player. So she just needs to keep it up. If she can just keep it up for 35 more games, we're fine. All right. Sixth player of the year. Sixth player of the year is is tricky obviously we'll be we'll be watching this closely mm -hmm. um i just threw this out there chenea gumake um she's Ooh, gonna get okay. a lot of minutes mm -hmm. coming in after liz cambage <laughs> she um, played really well uh, and she played really well she was a yeah. beast on the offensive boards um yeah. all weekend um in my heart i guess gabby williams is starting i kind of wasn't expecting to her too <laughs> uh, so my heart she'll be the sixth player but i considered a whole Gabby, Gabby may be all defense. She's off to a good start for that. Yeah, that'd be great. I also have coach of the year and comeback award. Are we doing those? Oh, go for it. So yeah, coach, these were optional, but go on. Coach of the year. I couldn't. I think the two coaches that are in the best position that can do it are Tanisha Wright and Sandy Brandello. Tanisha <laughs> Wright. What? Uh, no, I was I, I was just remembering I tweeted out that Tanisha Wright, Coach of the Year, was my my big prediction. Then I said, oh, Atlanta's not making the playoffs. Can can you win Coach of the Year if your team doesn't make the playoffs? I'm like, you know what? I'm going to call it. Sure. Well, <laughs> She's going to yeah. be the first. <laughs> I mean, she had a great coaching debut. And if she can wrangle this team into the playoffs, she could get Coach of the Year. Oh, 100%. Um, yeah, Sandy Bardello, yeah, Sandy Bardello, similarly, New York Liberty haven't been very good. Obviously, there's some improvements to the team, but if she can move them forward, I think probably the name a lot of people are thinking of is my girl Becky Hammond, fellow mm -hmm. Becky, but it's kind of hard when the team was number two last year to improve that, you know? So how does she show that she's the Coach of the Year? By uh, making know. everybody shoot threes. That's how she'll do it. Right, yeah. Because <laughs> everybody no, loves still, that. Could be. And then I, the comeback award is kind of fake and silly, but I like it. So I have a few for this. Oh, God. My comeback predictions are either Elena Deladon or AD. I think sure. they would both be great. In my heart, Diamond to Shields has a great season and gets a comeback award, even though she was here last season, but gets that. My LOL prediction is they give it to Kennedy and kind of acknowledge that oh she was God. benched all last year. I think that'd be very funny. And those are my award predictions. All right. Okay. I'm going to make it a clean, clean sweep on rookie of the year. I'm also going with Ryan Howard just after watching her play one game. You can already see that she's going to be phenomenal. The MVP, I don't think she'll necessarily be the most valuable player, but I think she'll be the one that people will want to vote for. And that's, that's Asia 
again after 2020. Brianna will be great, but I think her team is is probably going to be like a third place-ish and people will have higher expectations for her. Fatigue will set in with Jonquil Jones and and they're they're not going to vote for her either, but they'll they'll probably vote for Asia if the aces are any good and they'll point to the fact that Liz is no longer there and that will be enough to get her the award. I'm going with Syl again to get, win, why not? Win Defensive Player of the Year in your last year. What a story that would be. That would be phenomenal. Most improved. I had a bunch of other other kind of ideas in my head about who might do it. Uh, Nat- Natasha Cloud, if she truly is a shooter and you can't go under her anymore, as she has claimed repeatedly, would be quite, quite a great improvement for her. But you know, after after seeing the diamond thing, I'm 100% team diamond. I want her to win it. So I'm just going with my heart over my head because my head is stupid anyway. For a most improved player, I think she's yeah. going to be, you know, I don't, I don't know. I'm hoping and I'm just going to go for, for all of, put a, put everything behind it. Just bet, bet on diamond. Uh, sixth player of the year. Obviously we saw where I ranked Emma Mieseman and therefore I think that that will, it will be her award to lose. I didn't really have a lot for the optional. That's why I made them optional, <laughs> to be honest with you, is because I really didn't want to think about coach of the year or executive of the year. I don't really care. All, the all-rookie team, I'm just going to say, I think Rui is going to make the all-rookie team. And that is my only prediction for the all-rookie team, aside from, you know, it's probably going to be like uh, Ryan Howard, Melissa Smith, and Shakira Austin, and Rui Mashida, and somebody else. And I don't know who that somebody else is. Maybe Destiny Henderson or somebody like that. So we'll kind of see how that goes. I'm rooting for all the rookies because all the rookies are wonderful. And I think that is it. Wow, this is a long one, folks. Really sorry. Just, you know. Listen to it in increments because I, I think there's something in here for everybody to enjoy. We we broke out the stats. We broke out the the biases. We broke out the gorilla glue at the end. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, just sit back and just just enjoy it as as you can listen to it. Have a good time. And that is it. That has been it for the sixth podcast of the year. I am your co-host Snap Wilson, along with Robococo MJ Tolliver, in the words of a very wise man. Peace out. Peace out. Bye.